Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. On the morning after, the Cardinals fell to the Brewers 8-4 to and saw their National League Central lead slice to seven games. And on the day that Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright will start a game together as a battery for the record 325th time. And we're going to start off this show by getting a little historical perspective on not only Wayno and Yachty, but Albert Pujols and Aaron Judge and some of the other things going on in baseball. Our friend Tim Kirkjian of ESPN joins us to start off the show. Tim, good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, fellas. How's it going? Everything is unbelievable in St. Louis. The storylines around this team are endless, and one of the storylines that we've known is, well, we we hoped was going to happen all year, is going to see its fruition tonight with, to me, one of the most incredible records in baseball, 325 starts between Wayno and Yachty together. Yeah, it's remarkable. The previous record was Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand. And the interesting thing to me about all this is Freehan and Lolich played in an era basically before free agency where the same players were on the same teams like all the time. Now with all these players moving from team to team to have a catcher and a pitcher on the same team for this amount of time, that's the remarkable part to me. And it's just a real tribute to both of them that not only would they stay together on the same team, they would be this good this far into their careers. It's a hard game to play. It is a young man's game, and to have two guys in their 40s or close to it, it's a remarkable in that battery, one of the great batteries certainly of all time. Tim, that's what we've been talking about all week, just the longevity. I was wondering, do you have any other uh, obscure uh, stats or or, or in, incredible records that in, in that in that mold that could never be broken again by, by players due to the longevity of their careers? Well, there, there are so many longevity career baseball things. I mean, Cy Young won 511 games. That's not happening. <laughs> Cal, Rip- Cal Ripken played in 2,700 straight games. That's never happening. Nolan Ryan struck out 5,714 batters. That's never happening ever again. And that's why when something like this does happen, you just slap your forehead because you would have thought that, you know, Warren Spahn and Del Crandall, there's no way anyone could, could start more games than that battery or freehand and Lolich, and yet it happens. So just when you think it'll never happen, crazy things happen. Tim Kirchner of ESPN with us on 101 ESPN. Tim Derek Gould has a 
an unbelievable stat. Since Yachty came up in 2004, and so this encompasses both of their careers, since 2004, the Cardinals have played 24 games that they didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. Since 2004, we're in 2022 now, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright have, have participated in 24 games where they didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's remarkable. I love stuff like that. <clears throat> I think Der- I'll be close on this, but Derek Jeter, during his tenure with the Yankees, the Yankees could not make the playoffs. Derek Jeter played in his Yankee career. So this isn't quite Derek Jeter-esque, but it's still a remarkable number. And just another reminder to all Cardinal fans how good this team has been for such a long period of time. And I know you count success by how many pennants and championships you win, but when you have a competitive team every year that's in every race, that's really something to be proud of. And not many teams and players can say what Yadier and that group has done together. Tim, speaking of the Yankees, what have you made of Aaron Judge's season and, and what he's done uh, betting on himself and, and what it looks like for him going forward? Yeah, it's been amazing what he's done. He's now going to have a three in front of that contract number <laughs> instead of a two. If His next homer, he will tie Jimmy Fox and Hank Greenberg for the most home runs by a right-handed hitter in the history of the American League. When he gets to 62, and I think he'll get to 62, he's going to have the most homers by any player in the history of the American League. And he's now got a real shot to win the Triple Crown. Wouldn't that be amazing if Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Judge won the Triple Crown in the same season? And Judge just finished the stretch, fellas, where he reached base at least three times in seven straight games. Think about that for a second. Babe Ruth did that in eight straight. Lou Gehrig in nine straight. They're the only Yankees to do that more. The point is, he's not just some big guy who hits home runs. He steals bases. He plays center field. He hits leadoff. He's hitting over 300. He's amazing. And he's got 20 more homers than any player in the major leagues this year. The last time any day in the major leagues ended with someone with 20 more homers than the next was the last day of the 1928 season when Babe Ruth had 23 more homers than the next guy, Hack Wilson. Incredible. Uh, Amazing. And you talked about how lucky we are as Cardinal fans, Tim, but as baseball fans, the fact that Aaron Judge can have this year that he's having and that we can have a debate about who the MVP of the American League is Man, that says a lot about where baseball is right now, that we, we have this incredible player and talent in Shohei Otani along with Aaron Judge. Yes, and anyone who votes for Otani will get no argument from me. There's We've never seen anybody like this guy. Even Well, Babe Ruth never had the opportunity to be quite like this guy. But I think Aaron Judge is the MVP. I... I'm an old-school guy. I'm 65 years old, and I've been voting for these awards for for 40 years. And I'm telling you that it's become a player of the year vote now instead of the most valuable player. And I still give extra credit points if you take your team into the playoffs. And clearly, 
Aaron Judge has been the best all-round, everyday player, not including Otani, and he's taken his team to the playoffs. So I think he will and he should win the MVP, but you're right. There's going to be an argument about this, which is incredible given the season that Judge has had. ESPN's Tim Kirkchin with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Tim, obviously we would be remiss here in St. Louis if we didn't talk about Albert Pujols closing in on 700 home runs. Yeah, again, another tremendous story in Major League Baseball. Only Barry Bonds had more home runs at age 42 than Albert has had, but no one has ever hit 14 home runs after July the 1st in a season of at age 42, and that's what Albert has done. I did not see this coming. I don't know anyone who saw this coming. I thought this would be a farewell tour where he got like a rocking chair when he went to a ballpark for the last time. Instead, he's going in and tearing, tearing it up. It's an amazing story, and I think the only way for this to finish is for him to finish at exactly 700 home runs. That's how baseball operates. It's the most beautiful sport in the world for things like that. 699 will be great. He's already passed Alex Rodriguez. That was critical. 700, though, is a beautiful number, and my guess is, and my hope is, he finishes at 700 exactly. Tim, this summer you were you were honored by Baseball Hall of Fame and 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 given a career excellent award excellence award. How has life changed for you uh, since this summer happened? Uh, well, I threw out the first ball last night at a major league game. Uh, let's just say that's never happened before, okay. and that will <laughs> never happen again. Uh, it's it's been a life changing experience for me, and it's been unbelievable. But uh, just one quick story. The day of the real induction this year, when the players go in, not the writer go, writers go in, I was on a bus going to the induction, and it was me and, like, all the Hall of Famers. Like, who doesn't belong on this bus? <laughs> so there's a seat open next to me, and this regal, elegant-looking gentleman comes to my next to me and says, can I sit next to you? And it was Sandy Koufax. Oh, wow. so there I am, sitting next to Sandy Koufax, who I've met before, of course. I've interviewed before, of course. But it's still, Sandy Koufax sits down next to you. I got to talk to him for 15 minutes as we rode over to the induction. It doesn't get much better than that for a dopey little baseball guy who's loved the game his whole life. No, and regal and elegant are such great depictions and descriptions of Sandy Koufax because that's exactly what he is. That must have been so much fun. Hey, Tim, uh, a couple more things. I want to swing back to Albert for a minute. I'll give you Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Albert. Who else is in that photo of the best right-handed hitters of all time? Well, for me, and again, this is just my list, fellas. This isn't the correct list. This isn't the right list. You ask, I'm going to answer the Mm -hmm. question, and you guys come up with your own list, okay? This is how it should work. I would go Rogers Hornsby first. He had 358 lifetime and hit over 400 for a five-year period. I've got Jimmy Fox second. Just go look at the career average with the home runs. I've got Willie Mays third. I've got Hank Aaron fourth and I've got Albert Pujols fifth. When you're fifth, and whoever says, how could you put him fifth? When you're fifth on a list with Hornsby, Fox, 
Mays and Aaron, <laughs> that's as good a company as anyone could keep. That's where I think Albert stands, is fifth on that list. I think he's the second greatest first baseman of all time. There's so much to love about Albert Pujols, but nothing more than what he's doing right now. And finally, he's carried a team since the All-Star break to the best record in Major League Baseball. Granted, the Cardinals have been playing a, a pretty easy schedule. Do you give the Cardinals a fighting chance once the postseason begins? I do. I think the way they've played since the All-Star break and since the trade deadline has been remarkable. I think they are a very dangerous team in October. The only warning, and everyone understands this, is the Dodgers are 50 games over 500 and have outscored their opponents by 320 runs. The Mets, with Grom and Scherzer healthy, are an absolute nightmare, especially with that guy at the end of the game. The Braves are a better team than they were at this time last year when they won the World Series. So that's who the Cardinals are up against. But again, if Jack Flaherty is back, we're not sure he is, but when he comes back to complete form, if that happens in October and the rest of the things go right, I think the Cardinals are good enough to not only get to but win the World Series. My guess is that's not going to happen, but do they have a chance? Absolutely. Tim Kirkchen, whenever historical and special and magical things are happening in St. Louis, you're the first person I want to get on the show, and we appreciate you taking the time this morning very much. All right. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you soon. All right, Tim. See ya. That is Tim Kirkchen, ESPN. He is as good as it gets in regards to describing the history of the game. That is amazing, his his memory, and, and it brought something to mind. It, I thought about this while he was speaking. Randy versus Tim Kirkshen in a, in a trivia contest. How amazing would that be? Just just baseball, because so, I, I, I believe in you, and Tim is clearly who he is. Randy Carriker versus Tim Kirkshen in a tri- baseball trivia contest. I would love to see it. That would be pay-per-view TV, No. Yeah, I guess it would be must-see TV. It, it, it would be. <laughs> I, I like, and over the years I've had the the great good fortune because the Cardinals have been a national power for a long time. So Tim Kirkchen has spent a lot of time here in St. Louis, and I've had the chance to sit up in the press box and just talk baseball with him. And those twelve minutes were awesome. They were. They? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he just the, the the knowledge and the ability to to come with all of the different records that you 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 forget about Cal mm-hmm. Ripken and how many his Iron Man streak. I, yeah, that was years ago. I don't think about that because no one has come close or will come close to that. It, it's it's amazing. Baseball has obviously a long history and and the longest history of 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 records and 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 how long it's been around. Just the amount of things that have taken place, Nolan Ryan and his strikeouts. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't. Re- Sometimes I don't remember those. And I know Randy does, but I don't remember those things. But to hear <laughs> them again, uh, it just, it just refreshes you, and and it's, it's, it's mind blowing that all of these things have taken place, and and where we are right now with Yadi and Wayno. It's just fun to be a part of that. And we'll never see it again. So exactly. savor this tonight. Yes. Enjoy yes. this tonight. Kerry Davis, Randy Carrick, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we'll get back to the highlights from last night's game, plus the blue signing of Jordan Cairo just after we got off the air. We'll give you our thoughts on that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
Matthew Rocchio and the opening drive. Cardinals followed the Brewers last night, 8-4. Milwaukee took a 2-0 lead in the first, but the Cardinals came back in the bottom of the first. Donnie Baseball and Tommy Edmund aboard for Nolan Arenado. I can't let him beat me there. Arenado greets Streslicki into the ballgame. It's tied, and Nolan trotting into second base. He brings in a pair, and Nolan Arenado is now driven in 95 on the year, and that's his 39th double. Nolan at second base as Albert stepped in. Albert, a little flare and a base hit. And he puts St. Louis on top. Albert Pujols drives in his 49th. Arenado scores, and it's 3-2. And that was the last time the Cardinals would lead in the game. Jordan Montgomery didn't have his best outing. Five innings, he allowed six runs on seven hits. Did walk one and struck out six. And then in the bullpen, Chris Stratton allowed a run in his third of an inning of work. Also, Zach Thompson allowed a a run in his two-thirds of an inning. After the game, Ali Marmol asked about the starting pitching of late. I mean, if you really look at the body of work over the last week or so, and you're thinking about uh, our pitching staff, starters, and bullpen, um, our BABIP has been unbelievable. We're, however you want to look at it, 11th best at 280 and change. Uh, League average is 291. Since the National Series, it's been above 360. Uh, Tonight, same thing. So a lot of balls are just, whether hard or soft, just uh, finding hits. Um, And that's been the difference in allowing runs. So that'll normalize and uh, we'll be fine. So the Cardinals not concerned because uh, batting average on balls in play, that's BABIP, and the the Cardinals are just, according to Ali Marmol, having some bad luck. I would rather have good luck. I, I would too. <laughs> I, I would definitely rather have good luck than bad luck. It was something about when, when Andrew McCutcheon came up in that fifth inning. I just knew, I, I, just his history against the Cardinals in those situations, it just felt like if something bad was going to happen, and clearly it did, um, and, and he was able to push across too. It, I don't think it was a, a terrible outing from, from Montgomery. He, he gave up some hits. And, and he was gritty. He was. He was. He he got back into the game when they tied the game up, and I'm thinking, okay, here we are. We're, 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 here's the opportunity, and, and Andrew McCutcheon does what he's always done for for a long time, um, and and was able to get the, get those runs across. And then you go into the bullpen, and it it kind of that's the that for me. I don't know about you, Randy. That for me is has is somewhat of the scary part because if you're not able to 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 keep them off of the bases. I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I don't know how you feel about Stratton. I don't. I'm. I'm still. I think the jury is still out. In my opinion, just every single time, I need to. I need more. I, I'm greedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm greedy. Yeah. I need more. And and I don't want. I don't want anything to, to. To. I don't want anyone on base. I don't. I want you to get in there and close the door and make sure we stay where we are and not allow any more runs. And I think the thing with Chris Stratton, he's a guy that you pitch in, and it's not great for him, but he's in the major leagues. He's a guy that you pitch when you're behind in the game. The mm-hmm. Cardinals guys that they pitch, you get through five, and it's going to be Hicks. It's going to be, at this point, probably Jojo Romero and then Helsley, obviously, at the end. And I think Stratton and Naughton are guys that you pitch when you're behind in the yeah. game. And, yeah, he he does need to enhance his game a little bit. But I think the overall... It, well, need, well, but he won't be in those high-leverage situations no. come playoff time. No, it, he won't. These are These are times where maybe Ali is still... He's giving these guys opportunities to see if you can produce when we come to you in the playoffs or if we need to come to you in the playoffs. But you have to do it now because... 
you won't those opportunities won't be present once you get to the playoffs if you can't do it in this moment. And first round of the playoffs, there's a chance that Jack Flaherty be, could be coming out of the bullpen because right. you're only gonna, you only have three right. games. It's right. three starters, so it's Wainwright, Michaelis, Montgomery. So you're going to have eight relievers. There would be a chance that well, there will it'll be three starters and eight relievers. So somebody that's in the bullpen now is going to be left off mm-hmm. so that Jack Flaherty can be down there. There you go. And that makes me feel a little bit better, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that that potentially Jack Flaherty is in there. I, I just, like I said, I thought Jordan Montgomery, when he gets out there, you know he's going to give you everything he has. I just knew Andrew McCutcheon in that moment, I've seen it too many times with the Pirates. He, he just is who he is. Yeah. He's older now, but he is who he is. And you know it's something about this ballpark. He's going to make a he's gonna make a hit. He's going to make a play. And Milwaukee is desperate right they now. Are. This they is are. their World Series. And you, you, and, and, but that's also a thing. They have to take care of business against them because you do not want to give them any hope. Anytime right. you have a team that is is hanging on by a thread, cut the thread. Just, yeah, just let right, them fall yeah. off. Don't give them any hope. Don't give them any reason to feel like they can they can continue to battle and and be in this in this NL Central. You got to cut the thread and let them fall and go on about your day and make sure you you you, you suffocate them and cut their air off. Wainwright against Corbin Burns tonight. One other note from the St. Louis sports scene yesterday: the Blues signed Jordan Cairo to an eight-year contract worth sixty-four million dollars. And Jeremy Rutherford joined BK and Ferrario and was asked how the Cairo contract will impact the possibility of the Blues bringing back. Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, I don't think this uh, has an effect on Ryan O'Reilly. Could be wrong. You know, I probably need to look at the numbers a little deeper in terms of uh, what next year looks like. But I always, and I've told you guys this before, but I remember, you know, early days of covering the team, you'd say, wow, look at the math. Well, guess what? Now it's not going to work out for <laughs> this guy. And then all of a sudden, Doug Armstrong and his wizardry, he, he would uh, move this guy, move that guy, and trade this guy. And all of a sudden, there's enough money for, for the, I look at the player. I think that they cherish what Ryan O'Reilly brings to the team. I think they know that even at, 32 years old. He's got a few years left that he can help this team. And I think Ryan O'Reilly's got a personality that he's always going to be wanting to do what's best for the team. He doesn't have to have that number one center designation. You know, he doesn't have to make $8 million like these guys. I think they'll find a way to make it work. Kerry, I have two observations. Number one, I'm thrilled that they have Kairou under contract because mm-hmm. I think he's going to be great. He was an all-star last year, proved that he can play with the best. Obviously, he needs to enhance his game to a 200-foot level. He needs to get better defensively. As far as Ryan O'Reilly is concerned, the last two times a Blues captain has gone into unrestricted free agency, David Backus left for Boston, yep. Alex Petrangelo left for Vegas. None of us know what's going to happen. That's just what has happened right. with captains in their 30s that have reached unrestricted free agency with the Blues. Well, Jr., I think he was saying that that he may not need that that certain number, eight million or whatever that number may be. Uh, if you want to get paid, you're going to get paid, and and who, who who whichever team decides to pay you. That's generally if you you win a championship, you want to get paid. You want to make sure that you can solidify your family for the rest of their lives and your life. Um, and that's gonna that's probably what it's gonna come down to is the, how the numbers match up. We talk about it with Rain, Wainwright. Will he be back next year? It's gonna be about whether or not he feels like and the team feels like they have a number that they're both comfortable with. I don't think any professional athlete wants to take less than they feel like they are worth when they still have a lot of time mm-hmm. left to play in this game. So it's going to be interesting to see how how well they can get this done or if they can get it done. And and speaking of Jordan Cairo, you were talking about it yesterday. Great offensive talent, great skill set, great guy that 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 
you want you know he can make some plays on the offensive end, but needs to get back on the defensive yeah. end and make some plays on that end as well. Don't leave your teammates out to dry. Get back, help out, make sure it's not five on four because you're kind of taking your time getting back. So with this contract, knowing that he's here, knowing that he he's set, hopefully you see more of that and, and more of the, the sense of urgency to help back on the defensive end. And by the way, Back to Ryan O'Reilly for one moment. And you're 100% right, by the way, about Kairou. I, I can't wait to see him ascend because he's going to be terrific. O'Reilly's representation, the same as Matthew Kachuk and Alex Petrangelo, which has been described in hockey terms as like the Scott Boris oh, yeah. of hockey. Well, he wants to get paid then. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's Ask Uncle. Oh, we didn't even do this today. We better do this. Uh, let's get the old machine turned up here. Hey! Guess what day it is? Yeah, we have huh? Hump Day! We didn't start off that, that with Tim <laughs> Harrison, but it is Hump Day. You gotta stay a little buttoned up when you get ESPN, you know, the exactly top baseball right. story on. So. Yeah. But we, we, we got it in before uh, Ask Uncle Randy, so I think we're clear. Ask Uncle Randy next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. We've got the text machine up. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Ask Uncle Randy. So if you have any questions for Uncle Randy or Uncle Carrie, for that matter, <laughs> uh, if you have any life questions that are coming up for you, uh, whether it's marriage or relationships or baseball, feel free to send us a text 65780. All right, gentlemen, what do we got? Let's go this one. I like this is a sports-related one because this I can tell the worry here is genuine. Uncle Randy, Goldie is having an incredible season. All players go through lulls, so this isn't pinpointed. However, are you nervous that our enti- that it's our entire offense lives or dies through Goldie and Arenado, and our offense isn't as well balanced as it may seem? Uh, no, I'm I'm not concerned about that. Like you said, every player goes through lulls, and every offense is dependent upon. It's best offensive players. If you look at what happened to the Yankees, uh, the the only guy that was producing runs for them during their bad stretch was Aaron Judge. Nobody else was performing for them. If Mookie Betts isn't performing for the Dodgers, the same things happen. So, no, I'm not worried about that, and I'm not worried about Paul Goldschmidt. And I'm willing to look bigger picture with the Cardinals rather than just the last few weeks. When you look at where they are offensively, over the course of 162 games, there are many teams that are doing an awful lot better offensively. The Dodgers score more per game, the Braves and the Yankees. Cardinals fourth in Major League Baseball in runs per game. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I think I think they'll be fine. And I think Goldschmidt will be fine. He's still uh, top two and three in all of those categories for the Triple Crown and hasn't performed as uh, up to the level, you know, the last couple of weeks. All it takes is a seven to ten day, you know, heater where mm-hmm. he, he can get the lead back in all of those categories. And then 
the the texter will feel a little bit more comfortable with how the Cardinals game games are going and, and how this lineup is doing. This is directed to Uncle Randy, but I feel like Cousin Carrie really is going <laughs> to have a good answer for this one. Okay. Uncle Randy and Cousin Carrie. My daughter is attending the University of Nebraska, and I'm a University of Illinois fan. Ah. I'm going to Lincoln for their football game in October. Is it okay for me to root for Illinois, or should I make my daughter happy and root for Nebraska? It's not like she plays for the team. Can I can I take this? Yeah, one? because, yeah, yeah, because Randy, those those this. that don't know, my my daughter goes to the University of Missouri. I, I went to the University of Illinois, and and so I would tell the the texter, your child has to live their own life. Like they are they are they are out of your home. They are a college student. They have to live their own life, and you, sir or ma'am, have to live your own life. And you bleed orange and blue as I do. You do not root for Nebraska. You're paying tuition, maybe, possibly. <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> you, <laughs> that's more than enough. If you ask me, me paying Mizzou is more than enough. I don't have to wear anything Missouri because I actually pay them. I'm paying them more than I paid the University well, of Illinois. And it's not like... It's Alabama, where you're, it's a, a dominant football program. It's Nebraska. There you go. So it, it, Illinois at Nebraska, now, you're now, listen, for Illinois. Listen, if it's if it's if your if your child went to Alabama. And you wanted to root for you Alabama. Hop on that bandwagon. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. That's I won't hold it against you. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. Like, I, as an Illini, you go ahead. We won't hold that against you. But it, as Uncle Randy said, it is Nebraska. So, nah, wear your Illinois gear. Root on the fighting Illini and, and have a great time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just two fathers right there letting you know. Uh, cousin Carrie, my eight-year-old son wants to play football, but my wife and his pediatrician are both against it. How do I convince them it will be okay? <sighs> that That is going to take some convincing. Um, I would say at this moment, probably listen to what your wife and your pediatrician say. I wouldn't want to tell you something other than that. Um, for me, my son started playing last year at nine years old, and and I think it was good for him because he, he – Right now, the hits are are not as bad as they will be in three or four years, so he can get acclimated to to what that feels like. He was nervous, he was scared. He's a, he's much better now. Uh, a year later, having done it, but you but you have to have your you have to have your your wife and and the pediatrician on the same page. Mm-hmm. And, and if they are not comfortable, any little thing that goes wrong, you will be the odd man out, and 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 the finger may be pointed at you and. You don't want that stress or, or, or having to feel like your child, you know, rolled an ankle or, you know, jammed a finger, which can mm-hmm. happen in football and, and, and a multitude of other things. So listen to your wife. Listen to your doctor, to the child's doctor. Yeah, I always and, listen and to the doctor. I always listen to your wife if, if, yeah, if Randy move. is. If, yeah. I, if yeah. I've learned hey. anything from Uncle Randy. Take the L. <laughs> See, I, I would say that, you know, the perfect, the perfect compromise here is get him into a flag football league. You know, that way you, that yeah. you can start, you can start, you can definitely, you start laying down the skills. There you go. You get the fact that he's going to practice, the work ethic factor, you know, the, the team the, the, without the, the hitting thing. I honestly completely understand people who don't want their yeah. kid playing tackle football until maybe even the high school level. But you can learn a hell of a lot about the game uh, just, just playing a lot of flag football. Right. And there's a lot more leagues because of the yes. worries that parents have about yep. the head injuries. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, Uncle Randy, I'm getting ready to purchase my own place next month, and this girl I've been dating for six months is basically under the impression that she's going to move in with me. How do I tell her that I don't want to play house with her yet without destroying what we have now? That's a difficult question, but I think what you have to say is 
I'm not ready for us to live together. Mm-hmm. Uh, say, uh, this is the biggest investment that I've made in my life at this point, and I think you're great. If you haven't said I love you yet after six months, probably <laughs> it's not going to happen anyway. But say, hey, I am not prepared to live with somebody yet. I think it's it, that's reasonable. Uh, did he did the, the, the he said it was his first home? The picture, yeah, first yeah. home. Yeah, I think your first home. You have to have that time where you, if it's your first house you're buying and it's you, you have to get accustomed to to. All of the things that come with home ownership, mm-hmm. which is a lot. For, it, it is a lot, and, and I know I don't know how old the texture is, but there are things that you learn when you become a homeowner that when you're renting are, are much different than, than owning your own home. And just getting in that space that is your own for a time period before you invite someone else into that space, I think that makes the most sense. And, uh, hey, I'm just going to be real here. He, he said, I don't want to play house. This is not a very serious relationship. If he's looking at it as if she wants to move in, they're playing house. So maybe it'll turn into a serious relationship, six months old. But right now, it's not a serious relationship. Or, or maybe it is a very serious relationship, and he wants to be married before they move in together. And, is, and, and that can be your reason as well. Yeah. Maybe you are very invested in this person, but before you play house you would rather actually be married and have a true relationship and you don't want to go that route until it's actually official so if, if that's the case tell her that i'm just going with the terminology that, though. Like, <laughs> i don't want to play house i don't want to live together yet. right 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 i was with you on that the way you phrased it i was yeah. like eh. kind of answering your own question there fella yep. uh one more uh, one more, yeah, one yeah, more here. dear uncle randy my girlfriend and i are celebrating our two-year anniversary next week congratulations mm-hmm. i'm planning on buying her a necklace and taking her out for the night is this doing enough or should i plan for more <laughs> go for uh, more <laughs> well, you are the only one that knows what her expectation Correct. is. After two years, she might be thinking of more of a commitment than the <laughs> necklace being the jewelry. I, I will tell you this. this is If it's not a ring, do not get a box. That, so don't get a box oh, that looks point. like a ring. Do not do earrings. Do not do a, a small bracelet in a box. Yeah, get Make the sure box the long box. box. Yeah. So just so we're clear, and there mm-hmm. are no mistakes that that there, there are no perceptions of something else, and it'd be not not what she was thinking well, that it would be. Get her microwave. Uh, that, that's what <laughs> I did. The, the, the microwave worked for me. That was a much bigger box than a ring box. But I'm guessing that after two years, she's probably thinking the ring is on the way. So, so you make like like Carrie said, get the necklace with the in a long, long box. box. And by the way, after two years, start making plans for that ring too. Yeah, because she's expecting it, and that's reasonable after two years. All right, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them coming up. Matthew, Carrie, and I have Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for 
Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic reporting that Adrian Peterson must pay a Pennsylvania lender $8.3 million because of a loan that he defaulted on. Peterson is said to have borrowed $5.2 million from the lender in 2016 and defaulted on the loan. That being said, Adrian Peterson got only $15,000, $15,000 to get knocked out by Levy and Bell over the weekend. Take it or leave it, Kerry Davis, when you are in debt to the tune of $8.3 million and you're getting paid $15,000, the worst thing that can happen is to get knocked out. Well, I take that. I'm, <laughs> I'm more so trying to figure out I, you know, I, I'm not the type of person to count anybody's pockets, Randy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really keep track of, of what people do with their finances it, it, to each his own, correct? But if you have to borrow $5 million, I think, was that yes. what you said? And, and now you owe $8 million. How, how? How how do you borrow? How do you need to borrow $5 million when you have made over $100 million in earnings in professional football? It's how is that? How, how does that? How do those two things correlate? How, how does that happen? I don't know. You were still playing in 2011, right? During lockout, I, I was. I, that was my last year. Okay. I was. I, I didn't get resigned because of the lockout. Okay. Yeah. So I remember reading about football players that were taking out loans at 50. Yeah. percent Yes. Yeah. There was. There was. There were. Yeah. Hey, by the was, way, in a time of year where you don't get paid anyway. Yes. That's that's mind blowing, and like I said, I don't count anybody's pockets, but take it or leave it. I I, I mean I, I I don't know I don't know. Take it or leave it, Randy. If you made a hundred million dollars, you wouldn't need to take a five million dollar loan. I will a hundred percent take that. A hundred percent take that. And I don't know. Let me see if I can find. Did you find uh, Adrian Peterson's career earnings? I don't have. It, it, I say it has it at one hundred three well million. Got to be one hundred three million two hundred fifteen thousand okay, okay. nine hundred seventy two dollars. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That that it's amazing. He should not be fighting for fifteen thousand at this stage and, of his and life. You should not be fighting for fifteen thousand dollars and getting knocked out. Exactly for fifteen thousand dollars. It should be a fun hobby for it you. It should to, be to beat it, the crap out of people. Minimum of six <laughs> figures if I'm gonna go in yeah. there and get punched in yeah. the face. We were talking about that off here. Football and basketball and, and, and boxing are the only two sports you know if you can do it by getting punched by getting hit first. <laughs> right. A little different when they're picking somebody your own size, huh? Hey, yeah, right, man. Listen, that I, I'm not going in there to get punched in the face for fifteen thousand dollars. There you go. No. Yeah. All right, your text six five seven eight zero. Matthew, what do we got? I'm a little concerned for this take it or leave it person. Take it or leave it. The Seahawks have the best jerseys, but the Cardinals have the best helmets in football, sir. Uh, leave it. Neither of those are correct. Yeah, I'll, neither of those are close. The, who, well, who 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 does the Seahawks? I like the lime green. I, I like the, I, the, the Seahawks' regular jerseys are the worst in football. Yes. The blue on blue in Dallas is not much better, by the way. Yes. But I like the lime green, too. I like the lime green by the Seahawks. I, I, I forget which linebacker it was. It was probably around 2007. Uh, big guy, tall, lanky guy, played linebacker. He was one of the first ones I saw add the lime green. Uh, to their uniforms. Mm-hmm. If I can find his name, I, I'll try to remember. KJ Wright, was it? No, 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 no. It was it was before him. Oh, I know who you're thinking of. Lova Tatupu? Mm-mm. Sorry, Outside linebacker, defensive end. I just wanted to play. Type of linebacker. Yeah. I, I can't, I'm dropping oh, his Bruce name. Oh, No, it wasn't him. It was before him as well. Yeah, I, I'll so, find him. By the way, the best jersey is still the L.A. Chargers. Although yes. the Steelers are awesome. You know yeah, thank you, thank you. I was going to say, this, the helmet specifically, I love the one decal helmet. Yeah. For me, even though I am not a fan of this franchise, 
it's the, the the Dallas Cowboys white jersey that they wear on on Thanksgiving. The the with the star on the on the shoulders, I believe, and, and it's it. That was one of my favorite jerseys growing up. See, I'm just morally predisposed to yeah, rooting anything. I, I don't uh, like I, that I, now. I, I became <laughs> only time I, I actually rooted for but, the Cowboys was when Dion signed with them. Yeah, the, it, but the white helmet with, the, too, with the, the blue it's shirt, the, yeah. yeah, with the with the, that. That's usually what they wear with that jersey. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I still do like, and I can't believe the Cardinals went to a, a black alternate helmet, but their white helmet is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't clean. know if I'd make it best in the league, but it's pretty cool. I'll give some credit to Mizzou as well, because they're when they have their all white, their white helmet, they, they mm-hmm. do a pretty good pretty job. Sharp, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's just no, that's college, but there's yeah. just so I many, give Mizzou a little love here and there. There's yeah. so many not better, much for you, just a little bit. So many better uniforms <laughs> and helmets in the league. Come on, my my friend, take it or leave it. Albert Pujols will hit at least two home runs by Sunday. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say that he hits one. I thought he would have gotten one last night. They do have Mike Miner, left-hander, on Saturday in one of the games of the doubleheader. I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say that he leaves Tom with 698. Well, I got to take it because I said yesterday he would have 699 by the mm-hmm. end of this this uh, homestand. So I got I have to take it. He, he, he will. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals MVP for the season is the AAA Memphis coach. He's been pretty good, but he's not a player. You can't make an M. Mm. He might be MV. Uh, See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Most valuable coach. <laughs> yeah. Point. But point. you know what? I wouldn't trade Paul Goldschmidt for him. So no. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good. You know, medium we have here. There. Just would you trade Paul Goldschmidt? No. no. And he's not the MVP. There you go. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Aaron Jones could grow a beard and still play for the Yankees if he wanted at this point. Take, Take it. it. Hey, listen. The way they're gonna have to pay you want to wear you want a beard. How much? How much do you need? How much, how long do you want to grow it? We're gonna pay you whatever you need because we we dropped the ball clearly. Mm-hmm. We messed up, sir. We'll pay you whatever you want, and and if you want to add a beard into your claws, uh, go ahead. We've talked about betting on yourself. We talked about Joe Flacco, Adrian Beltre with the Dodgers many years ago. This has to be the best bet on yourself. It, it year is ever. amazing. Yeah. Just the fact that. And Tim Kirshen said it earlier. He goes from having a two in front of that number at the front at the beginning of the number to a three. Yeah, it was two thirty eight that they offered. Now you're going to have three hundred million plus. Yeah, just because you said, "Nah, I'm worth I'm more than that," and go out and have possibly the best uh, AL home run hitting season of all time, right. and and just blow things out of the water. And how can the richest franchise not re-sign him? They have, they to. have to. Where is he? Where, where where do you let him go? If you let him walk. What, what you, yeah. you 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 made a terrible mistake once? Don't double don't, down on it no. and, and make it twice. You make more than anybody else. You Sign them. Keep that. You guy. have to. There's been a lot of weird things over the last couple of years in baseball where it's like, what, what's going on in the finances and the way the teams are managing their finances in baseball right now? And letting a guy who might win the triple crown and break Roger Maris's record, letting him walk, would just be the most like alarm bells. What the hell's going on in baseball right I now? I don't care if you have to pay him a dollar for dollar tax. For example, if he's making 35 million a year and it turns into 70 million a right. year, you still have to do it. it you have to. He, he, the, the revenue that he generates coming to your ballpark mm-hmm. every single day uh, the, they're, and they're winning. It's not like yep. he's doing this. It's not like empty calories, Randy. He, he's, they're winning while he's doing this and, 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 and he's playing at this level. You're winning games. You have a potential to be uh, uh, World Series champions if you continue on this path. And you and you messed up. Yeah, like you said, you can't double down on being stupid. You cannot. Take it or leave it. O'Neal needs to play a little bit less, and we need to give Alec Burleson a bigger shot. I'm going to leave that. 
And I, I don't know about Alec Burleson, but I do know about Tyler O'Neill. Right. Now, I know that three years ago, there were a lot of people that were complaining that Randy Rosarena wasn't getting enough time with the Cardinals. And clearly, he wasn't because they didn't want to go down the stretch of a pennant race with a guy who'd never played at the major league level. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there are other guys they like better than Alec Burleson, including Donny Baseball, Brendan Donovan, <laughs> that was brought up before him. So, while I'm not averse to Alec Burleson seeing playing time, I don't think that he should be playing as much as or near as much as a guy like Tyler yeah, O'Neill. Yeah, I'll leave it as well. It, not now. I mean, at this point of the season, you you know what Tyler O'Neill is. You he you haven't seen enough from Alec Burleson to say, yeah, put him in more. Not at the major league level. So you know what what Tyler O'Neill can give you. I'm gonna leave that. You yeah. give Tyler O'Neill every at bat you can because if he breaks out of a slump and get and, and starts seeing something and gets rolling late, you, in September, you know where the ball October, is gonna end up. <laughs> that's I mean that literally that is a potential you know. Cure to the very first take relief or the first Uncle Randy we did when the guy was worried about the Cardinals' offense outside of Goldie and Arenado. If O'Neill gets anything going, it's 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 icing on the cake right now for a Cardinals team. That you got to be happy with. I might be more inclined to, if, if I was going to try something like that, if I was really frustrated, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. But before I did Burleson, I would have Gorman in the lineup, Donovan, and then have Edmund in the outfield. Mm. I. I I, I just would not go with Burleson in these moments at this stage of his career. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, we want to hear from you again. Carrie and I and Matthew are going to give you our answers. If Albert Pujols does hit number 700 on Sunday and you're at the game, you catch number 700, what would you do with the ball? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. In this season of great storylines for the Cardinals, one of the more enjoyable stories for me was when he hit home run number 697 on Sunday in Pittsburgh, and the people that caught the ball tried to give it to Albert, and he said, no, it means more to you than it does to me. We've all heard the story, and not only did he give them the ball back, but he signed a couple of more balls and gave them to him. Now, he's going to hit number 700. He's going to be the fourth person to hit a 700th home run. We probably don't have the 700th Babe Ruth ball. Mm. Probably not. I probably don't even have the 700th uh, Hank Aaron ball. Maybe have the 700th Barry Bonds ball. But Kerry Davis, you're in the stands, you're in the left field bleachers, and he pulls one into the left field bleachers on Sunday for number 700. Mm -hmm. You have the ball in your hand. Yes. What's your plan? What are you doing with it? So I thought long and hard about this, Randy, and and I'm not a guy that, that, you know, needs to keep memorabilia, so to speak, and it, and it's not actually my ball. So I would give the ball back. However, we do have to broker some sort of trade myself, not not necessarily Albert and me, mm-hmm. but the Cardinals and me have to have to broker some type of trade for 
something. I, and I don't want signed jerseys. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. I don't want cash. I don't need cash. <laughs> but we got to get something of equal or greater value, uh, maybe season tickets. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in Rock's favorite spot, the green seats. Well, there you go. Uh, the, the, it's a good play. So maybe that's what, and, and I don't need it, you know, continuously. I don't need it in, in perpetuity. I, I just need it for maybe one season, maybe two. Well, you know what you could do is maybe do like a a 10-game plan okay. for 10 seasons or something like ah, that. Ah, that, green seats, though. Yeah, because green seats. Rock is, is, is he my, he, 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 he brought this to, my, to, to light well, a few days ago because he was in the green seats. He, I don't know if you knew that, Red. Yeah. He's, he's, he's that on guy. TV. He's on TV. He's the guy. So, yeah, so he doesn't, we're just here well, with him. Right. He, <laughs> he catches number 700, and the Cardinals say, yeah, we'll give you season tickets to the green seats. Well, he's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. What else you got? <laughs> give me something else because Rock doesn't need that, but I, Kerry Davis would gladly take season tickets, maybe a signed jersey from Pujols. No, you know what? Mm-hmm. Three signed jerseys and, and, and green seats, and I'm good. Okay. Wainwright, Pujols, Yachty, and I'm good. And, and season green seats are our plan, like with 10 for... We can do 10 for 10 seasons. Yeah, that sounds like good. That. I, I, because I won't make it to that many games in a mm-hmm. year. But I can make it to 10 games in 10 years. Yeah, right. Yeah, But I need two seats. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Two seats yeah. for 10 seasons. All 10 right. games. Matthew. Yadier, um, when, when Babe Ruth hit his 600th home run, he screamed as he was rounding first, go get that ball. Somebody go get that ball. I'll give the guy who gets it 20 bucks. Babe Ruth? <laughs> a, guy, a guy ran out. Number 700? He, yes. A guy ran out, grabbed the ball, gave it to Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was, said oh, he, was, he wanted to give beautiful. him. He said he wanted to give him 120, but he didn't have his wallet. He gave him 20. Apparently, the story goes that Babe Ruth usually would tip pretty well. When he hit 600 in St. Louis, hmm? he tipped the guy four grand. Wow, that's impressive. Which at, at the time what, I imagine what does that been. come out to? And what well, is that well, twenty, 20 bucks turns into two seventy seven. So I'm guessing four grand turns into a pretty like, <laughs> ten five, times more. Ten, yeah, ten yeah, times more. Yeah, ten yeah. ten yeah. x more. So I mean, uh, yeah, so fifty thousand probably. I had no idea that Babe Ruth hit his six hundredth in St. Louis. I didn't know that that's either. That's pretty fascinating. All right, so you catch number seven hundred, Matthew Rocchio, and we know that you don't need green seats. You don't need them. So what do you need, Rock? I mean, just we're cutting cut a check. That's that's all it is. Just Cut a check. For, okay. for what's it's, the it's, number? It's you know, um, God, what's what's this? So you gonna auction this thing off? Uh, no, he's gonna give it back. He wants the Cardinals no, to I'm cut him a check. I'm gonna keep it. Are you going to keep, keep it? Keep it. But that's why I want the money. That's why I just want the money okay. right now from the Cardinals and our pools. I'm not gonna get greedy. I just you know, I, you, know 40, Is it, you know, fifty grand. Fifty grand. Okay, good. We gotta figure out how much. Barry Bonds, if they they sold those, they have they those did. balls. So yeah. we need to figure out how think, much those I think, balls I think sold. Seven hundred for, for uh, Babe Ruth was actually did, was eventually auctioned off for uh, seven hundred thousand dollars. So the longer you in, keep it, the more valuable it becomes. Yeah, the final auction uh, unless price it's for the, was a unless root. it's Barry. Yeah, because no one. Yeah, seven hundred yeah. went for seven hundred thousand dollars. Seven hundred one went for forty grand. An auction, by the way, from Babe Ruth. So, mm. so I uh, yeah, I'm seven hundred. I'm, I'm so asking so for the, forty the, grand. Right, you grand just from the Cardinals. Barry's seven hundredth drew eighty five thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm asking for fifty. I'm asking for fifty. Babe Ruth sold sold for seven hundred thousand. Yeah. The uh, seven hundred ball is that correct? That's what this says. Seven hundred. Says recently says the auction the the final auction price for, was for Babe Ruth seven hundredth in. Uh, 2006 was seven one hundred. You gotta hold on to it. 
You got to hold on to it for you. May not be around to to, to sell it, Rock. You might that's not. Why, that's why I'm breaking. I'm, 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 I'm so the, 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 don't don't worry about the rest of my family. I'm breaking <laughs> off the fifty grand right now. I get and, and I'm giving him the ball back. I'm sorry. Barry's number seven hundred was sold to sportsbook.com for eighty five grand. And they said at the time, I don't know if they followed through on this, that they planned to offer the ball to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. And we'll get to some text here in just a moment. I would offer the ball to Albert. I don't need anything for the ball. And if he doesn't want it, then I would uh, I would offer it to the Cardinals or the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't... I, I will If it's in my house, I will never look at it. I will never get to the point where I say, oh, yeah, I should auction that off. I just... I. I it, but I, I it could be it. it could be something you pass down to your kids and then grandkids and then grand great grandkids that you know I, I fifty rather, sixty years from now yeah when when they look back on it and the the price inflates mm-hmm. as as it usually does the longer we wait but I I would rather have it accessible to thousands of people walking through the Hall of Fame than just the my kids family. yeah okay so. I, I I can I can understand that All green right. seats for me. Uh, from the, from the six one eight, I actually hope he puts it in the bullpen or the batter's eye, so he can just have it with no worries. Hmm. So, I would want to give it to Albert personally after the game. That's what I would ask for: is to just hand, hand him the it ball. To him. Yeah, uh, Bond seven hundredth ball was eight eight oh four one two nine. I don't know what that means. Uh, let's see, seven hundred won't be worth anything. His last seven oh two will be worth more. And I think because he is the fourth guy to get to seven hundred, and a lot of people would argue that he's the third guy to legitimately get mm-hmm. to seven hundred because of uh, Barry Bonds, that I, I would think seven hundred will carry some value. We're going to have to touch on Barry Bonds and that whole issue because everybody was doing it, right? They were. Well, why are we? Why do we pick out certain people? Why do we? Well, I know that's a whole other t- topic, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, I'm sure at some point. No, you're right. I, 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 <laughs> that 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 to me is is unfortunately we can't debate here because I, I we we agree. <laughs> yeah, I'd want either three balls or three jerseys signed by each Pujols, Yachty, and Wayno with a picture together. Okay. But in all reality, he doesn't need to give him anything. I give it to him. I think the Cardinals and those three players would be more than happy, more than happy. To, to sign for that. Uh, from the 314, a couple more texts here. I got my left field bleacher seats for this weekend. The ball is worth almost $2 million. I'm asking for four green seats for 10 years. Ah. We can see what that comes out to. And yeah, $2 million is Finally, Brian in Illinois. Yeah, I... I I don't see $2 million being the price. From the 618, Brian in Illinois. I'm with Carrie. I would offer to donate the third jersey to Cardinals Care. Ah, that's nice. I think Cardinals Care can come up with a jersey if they need it. They probably could. <laughs> hey, thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up next, Lindenwood Football is now in Division One, and they're off to a roaring start as a Division One program. Their head coach, Jed Stugart, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Not open 
a Division I experience for a football program with more drama than the way the Lindenwood Lions did Saturday night at Houston Baptist, blocking a punt and scoring a touchdown with 28 seconds left to win their very first game as a Division I program. And I've always been a proud alum ever since 1984 of the Lindenwood University. Jed Stugart is shepherding this program from Division Two into Division One, and joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Coach with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, this is Randy Carricker. Congratulations on that win, and thanks for joining us. How you doing? Hey, great, guys. Uh, great to be on with you this morning. And, and uh, no, we had them right where we want them. That was the game <laughs> all along, man. What you guys are talking about. <laughs> Coach, I, I uh, was, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, obviously, having that block punt was amazing, and 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 winning the game in that fashion is is something you never draw up. But but what I don't think most people know is the the player that blocked the punt is actually the son of one of your coaches, Jalen Bethany, is is Corey Bethany's son. And and can you just talk about how obviously excited you are for the win, and he was for the win. But what was his reaction watching his son make that play uh, for the game winning for for the go ahead and game winning touchdown? Well, yeah, and Jalen was our special teams player of the week this week. You know, I know uh, getting, you know, making that play happen. But I think one of the coolest stories was Corey, uh, uh, when our quarterback, Cade Brister, was talking about, uh, hey, what's our plays going to be after this punt? Uh, Corey, uh, Jalen's dad, says, hey, man, we're going to block this thing. I'm going to run down here and get ready to celebrate. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's exactly what happened. So it's a it's a cool, cool story for him and his son and, and – uh, you know, but um, you just had a lot of belief in that huddle. It's the craziest thing. I just knew something was going to happen with, with everybody, uh, How you know, uh, the belief we had. And, and when I heard that thud, I didn't get to see the block, but I heard the, I heard the thud and I knew it was blocked. I was just trying to find the football. So uh, it was pretty exciting. Well, coaches, we, we know when you hear that double thud, the kicking in the block, that is either a really good thing or a really bad thing. And it was obviously a really good thing for you all uh, this weekend. I'm telling you, it was exciting, and, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know, we we talked all week going into that. We're you know, we just said, hey, the team that handles the adversity the most is going to win, and you know, we we had overcome some adversity that night. I was so proud of our guys, and they just kept staying in it and kept believing and kept grinding. And next thing you know, somebody made a play like Jalen and, and Andrew Martin scooped it up and scored. And uh, and uh, the hardest part of that whole play was getting. Uh, our offense, who was celebrating, jumping around to get out there to run a two-point conversion. That was the hardest part of the whole thing. <laughs> Jed Stewart, the head coach at Division One Lindenwood, joining us on 101 ESPN. And it's only one game, and I, I know that this is a process, but was there a different vibe making the the jump in just one game to Division One coach on Saturday night as you're on the sideline? Is there a different feeling for you? Yeah, there is. I mean, I think there's quite an excitement. I mean, I you know this this has been uh, we we got you know the news in February you know, that we were going right into Division One. Sometimes you get a whole year trans <laughs> transition, but you know we were excited because we were immediately going into the Ohio Valley. So that excitement, you know, all that that's been there. But you know, it did feel different. You know, just just going in and you know in pregame and looking around and realize you know hey this is a new era for us and. You know, that's all we – now, we've not really built that up too much with our team. We just felt like, you know, we, we've kind of kept a lot of the same old, uh, you know, uh, routines going and the same practice and the same kind of stuff that we do. But, you know, obviously uh, it did feel different. And, and obviously uh, to get our first Division One win, we, you know, we've played Eastern Washington two years ago. We played South Dakota State last year. So we've played some FCS Division One teams, but uh, – 
you know, for us to, you know, hey, we are a FCS Division One team, and and we're, uh, you know, we're we got our first win it was exciting. Coach, you talked about just really not the amount of time that that most programs get. What other challenges did you all have making or, or are having making that transition uh, to to Division One football? Well, you know, first off, you know, it starts with, uh, and I've been through this. I was at Northern Colorado when we transitioned from D2 to Division One, and honestly, it didn't go very well. And, and you know, so at first, you know, I was, you know, uh, this will be my third transition, and so I feel like we've been prepared. I took another team from NAIA to Division Two, and then, you know, so I feel like we're prepared for this, but it all starts with our administration. And, and you know, the commitment that Dr. Porter's had, um, Jason Coomer, our athletic director, you know, to commit to doing this the right way. And, you know, they that that's what's brought us a lot of confidence is, is the fact that they're committed to doing this by supporting us, by, by doing the, you know, giving us the things we need to be successful. Um, just gives us a lot of confidence and makes us even work harder knowing that they believe in, in doing this the right way. And so I can't be, you know, first and foremost, I got to give them, the credit for making this jump and doing it the right way. And, you know, and I think that's, uh, you know, because there is a lot of work. I mean, the, you know, obviously recruiting changes a little bit, you know, our school, you know, it's not just athletics, but, you know, this transition, a lot of it has to do with, with uh, even departments outside of athletics that this impacts. And so the education that goes on throughout the, the whole university and everybody's been excited about it. And everybody's learning and making that, making those adjustments uh, to make this successful, and that just, uh, you know, that makes the job a lot easier. And so, and and the reality is, is you know, we're gonna, we've already recruited St. Louis so well. That's been a priority for us when we got here. But you know, the fact that a lot of times we lost St. Louis kids um, to you know Division One programs because we didn't, we didn't have that box to check. And I think now, you know, that's even another box that's going to help us. Uh, you know, that kids can check to say hey, I can be in. The only Division One uh, team and or university in St. Louis that has uh, has football, and and uh, I think that's going to even help us draw even more great St. Louis athletes uh, to our program out here. So it's pretty exciting. And Jeb, beyond players, you mentioned the the only accessible Division One program to St. Louisans. Mizzou is ninety minutes down the road. We don't have an NFL team. So in terms of relatively big time football. The Lindenwood Lions are the Metro St. Louis area's Division One team, and, and they're, you're our football team. Absolutely, and we love that. And like I said, you know, we the moment I got here, uh, you know, we we wanted to uh, take a lot of pride in recruiting our backyard, and and uh, we've made that an emphasis. You know, I, I love the fact that you know we've got uh, close to sixty percent of our team is all within almost an hour of this of our university, which which uh, has been been we've reached our goal of trying to, to do that. And I think this is only going to get better because, uh, you know, we love this, uh, love this area. We're proud of our city. We want to be that uh, we want to be that football team of the city. And and, uh, and we're going to try to earn the respect of the community and work our tail off to, to become that. And uh, and so it's uh, it's it's an exciting time. Well, Coach, you talked about recruiting, and I would I would not let you leave here without talking about one of my kids that I'm going to be reaching out to you about. you got to come to our game if you got time Friday night. We play Kirkwood. They have a very good running back, uh, and we have a very good linebacker in Jaden Trotter. So when you get a chance, look him up. I'm going to send him to you, and hopefully uh, we can get him in, in some more black and gold uh, over there at Lindenwood. Absolutely, and, and obviously, I can't I can't discuss that on the. On the I, 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 I'm not gonna get you in trouble, <laughs> coach. We're kids, but I can tell you, I have a strong feeling we're gonna probably have somebody out at your game watching you. We're we're proud of the fact that uh, 
what you're doing in, in coaching as well, Coach. And, I appreciate uh, it. And so, absolutely, we'll be there. All so, right, sounds good. And, and Jed, Saturday night, you have Keyser University coming into town, and I know one of the goals of President Porter and of Jason is to sell out every Lindenwood game. How can people get tickets? Well, they can get on the Lindenwood.com, um, uh, in, in Lindenwoodlions.com slash tickets, and, um, you know, make sure it's going to be, I uh, feel like the energy, there's a lot of people telling me they're coming out, but make sure you get your tickets. The tailgating, uh, they, they rat, we ratcheted up tailgating last year like crazy. It's such a fun environment, and uh, so get out here early. Uh, we got fireworks after the game. We've got uh, uh, bands. we got all kinds of stuff in the pregame. It's going to be an electric. And we got a brand-new video board, uh, 72 feet by 30 feet, a video board that's going to be unveiled on Saturday night, and so uh, that's going to be a great addition to uh, to for our fans uh, as they get to see our new video board too. So a lot of stuff, plus great football. Um, it's a it's a great ticket for a Saturday night. I will be there. I know that our friend Greg Amzinger is coming into town for the game, so we'll stop by and see you before everything gets underway. Good luck on Saturday night, and congratulations on the opening game win against Houston Baptist. Awesome, guys. Glad being with you this morning. We'll Thanks. see you Saturday. Thanks, right. Coach. See you, Coach. Jed Stewart, head football coach at the Lindenwood University. I always like to put the V in front of it. The. Yeah, the Lindenwood <laughs> University. Right. Not Division One. <laughs> <laughs> the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Good morning and welcome into the fight. It is the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis. Matthew Rocchio is joining us, and we have Randy Carricker somewhere roaming the halls, waiting on, in preparation for this fight, his uh, his his annual pregame ritual, pre-fight ritual. Uh, we got on the line with us, Mike. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Kerry. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How you feeling? You ready to roll? Yeah, I'm good. I'm trying to not uh, lose service right now. I'm on the way to work. All right, here we go. Let's get started. On this day in 2003, Jamal Lewis set the single-season rushing record in, in the NFL. That record has since been broken. Which running back broke it with a 296-yard performance in 2007? Was it LaDainian Tomlinson, Tatum Bell, or Adrian Peterson? Uh, let's go AP. September 14th is a day for rushing records, as this future Rams running back set an NCAA freshman record with 800 with th- 800. Excuse me, set an NCAA freshman rushing record with 386 yards and seven touchdowns in one game. Was that Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, or Todd Gurley? Um, let's go with. Oh, uh, let's go with uh, Todd Gurley. All right, Mike. Tim Kirchner was on earlier with us, and he talked about Aaron Judge's incredible season, trailing only four players in AL history for the highest single-season home run total. Roger Maris and Babe Ruth are obviously the names at the top of the list, but who sits tied with Hank Greenberg with 58 home runs, just one shy, uh, one more than Aaron Judge's current total? Is it John Carlos Stanton, Mickey Mantle, or Jimmy Fox? John uh, Carlos. Who is the winningest coach in the Rams' entire franchise history? Is that Chuck Knox, Sean McVay, or John Robinson? 
man. Um, can you give me the uh, options again? Sorry. Chuck Knox, Sean McVay, or John Robinson? Uh, let's go. Let's go, uh, Chuck Knox. All right, we'll double check the score here, and we will wave Randy on in. Mike, how did you feel you did today on the fight? Uh, so so. So so. I didn't expect I didn't expect to get the call back, so I wasn't prepared. <laughs> 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 Got to keep you off your game a little bit sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Randy, we have Mike joining us. Mike, I don't see anything in Randy's hand. He oh, he does have his mobile on the run. Dr. Pepper. Diet Dr. Pepper. Diet Dr. Pepper. I, I thought you. I, we, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Randy, this is Mike. Say hello. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Morning, Randy. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Yes, sir. So it's good to walk out in the hall and like Moon from the Riz Show walking around, just <laughs> talking to him and sucking Scott out we're there. We're so lucky. Yeah, we we are. It's pretty cool. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, on this day in 2003, Jamal Lewis set the single-season rushing record in the NFL. That record has since been broken. Which running back broke it with a 296-yard performance in 2007? That was a game that Dan Deardorff did. It was the Chargers at Minnesota, and Adrian Peterson broke the record. September 14th is a day for rushing records, as this future Rams running back set an NCAA freshman single-game record with 386 yards and seven touchdowns. Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. Finished second. How would you like to finish second to Gino Toretta in the Heisman I know, Trophy? I saw that. Cool. Yeah, that, that's that's tough. Yeah. By the way, the uh, 386 has been broken. The seven touchdowns, still standing. Oh, good. Yeah, somebody went over... Four, well over 400, I think. A fr- right? I think a freshman beat him like later that year yeah. with like a 393 oh, okay. yard performance or something like that. All right, Randy. Earlier we had Tim Kirchner on, and he talked about Aaron Judge's incredible season, trailing only four players in AL history for the highest single season home run total. Roger Maris and Babe Ruth are obviously the names at the top of the list, but who sits tied with Hank Greenberg at 58 home runs? I believe it's Jimmy Fox. And who is the winningest coach in the Rams' entire franchise history? Uh, two stints actually fired by the Rams after the 94 season, right? Before they came here to St. Louis. John Robinson, who coached Eric Dickerson. He, uh, he had a pretty good run there. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes hump day can be a rough day. It's middle of the week. <laughs> Monday and Tuesday were rough. You're hoping to get to pre-Friday, and you just can't. Sometimes, though. You're just, you're just a professional, and you, you just cruise through the week. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's what happened to you. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Yeah, I wanted to act like the week had been affecting him, but apparently Randy locked in, dialed in as ever, Mike. He beat you. He got the jack. You heard the sounder there. He beat you 4-1. Uh, thank you so much for playing, Mike, but unfortunately you, you ran into a buzzsaw that is Randy Carricker. Hey. Happy to do it, guys. Appreciate it. You all have a good day. <laughs> Thanks right, for joining us, so Mike. Mike. Before we uh, head out of here, though, Kerry, run through our answers. All right, so on this day, 2003, uh, Jamal Lewis' single-game single, single game rushing record was broken with a 296-yard performance by Adrian Peterson. Uh, September 14th, rushing record at future Rams running back set the NCAA freshman record and still uh, standing touchdown record of 386 yards and seven touchdowns. That was Marshall Falk. I don't think he played in the fourth quarter, by the way. That's pretty oh amazing. My Lord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tim Kirkson talked about Aaron Judge's incredible season. Uh, home run total with Roger Maris and, and Babe Ruth, obviously ahead of him. 
Hank Greenberg is tied with 58, 58 home runs with Jimmy Fox. And then the last one, the winningest, winningest coach in Rams history is indeed John Robinson. You want a, a, a Rams coaching stat fun fact? Yes. This is awesome. Always. So Mike Martz coached the St. Louis Rams 2001, 02, 03, 04, and part of 05, five and a half years. Won 56 games, in, okay. including playoffs. From the time Mike Martz left in the middle of 05 until the time the team left after the 2015 season, they won 56 games. Wow. I that, that's that's I hard. That's Mc, tough. That, yeah. Wait a second. Oh, my God. Is McVay at 56? <laughs> I think he's either exact. Oh, uh, where'd it go? So, we, are, we are. He's at 55. Okay, so. That's insane. Yeah. The fact yeah. that it's that perfect. When the, when the Rams win their next game, he'll get to 56, yep, and then you literally have a perfect yep. 56, not 56. 56. I did want to throw in, uh, because anytime I can get my Illini on the radio, I, I do that. Seven touchdowns is a lot of touchdowns in one game, but the Illini, Howard Griffith, had eight, eight. in yeah. one game. So we, 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 we give a little Illini love every chance I can. And he was a Los Angeles Ram, was he not? He was. I, yeah. I believe so, yeah. He, he, I think of he was, no, he was with the Broncos. Bron- he was a Denver, Bron- Denver yeah. Broncos. Right. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Didn't do it Pulled as a back. freshman, though. He yeah. did not, but, you know, eight touchdowns is a lot That's for one game. Good. Seven pretty is a lot, good. especially when you don't play in the fourth quarter. By so. the way, yeah. something else I learned today, Pacific was a college that had a football team, apparently, in the 1990s. Yeah. 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 I knew that. Yeah. Uh, coming up next... Kerry's supposed to hate this guy, right? He's playing him on Friday night. The uh, former Mizzou star and uh, upcoming college football Hall of Famer, who also is the head coach at Kirkwood, Jeremy Macklin, whose pioneers will take on the Hazelwood Central Hawks on Friday, joins us on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Longtime fan of high school football in the St. Louis area. I'm such a fan now of former college, well, high school, college, and pro players becoming coaches at the high school level and helping young men grow up. And my co host, Kerry Davis, does that every day at Hazelwood Central. And so does Jeremy Macklin, who is headed to the College Football Hall of Fame. We know he is, knock on wood, and is the head coach of the Kirkwood Pioneers. It's Hazelwood and Kirkwood on Friday night. And J Mac joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jeremy, good morning. How are you doing? What's going on, man? Good morning. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, hey, Jeremy, I got a quick question. I know we got a, a tough challenge this weekend versus one another. Uh, you have a very good running back, in my opinion, probably one of the best running backs in the state in Deion Brown. Uh, any chance we can get him to take a personal day Friday night and, and you know, he can watch from the sideline. We, we don't want to get him out there running too much. He He's dynamic. So if he can get a day off, I would greatly appreciate it. Man, we need all the firepower we can get, man. So if we uh... – you know he's a no. He's a he's a great kid, man. Like you said, he's one of the. Uh, you know he's one of the top guys in the state, man. And uh, you know he just does everything right, man. So I'm blessed just to be able to coach him every day and just kind of see him grow. So uh, he's definitely a good one. He definitely is. And 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 speaking of good ones, your your alma mater has a very good one at receiver. Something that you know a little bit about in Luther Burden. Uh, can you talk to us about what you've seen from him and and just that whole spectacle of 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 how all of that plays together when when you when you're that highly touted going into Mizzou and to Columbia and the expectations that have been placed on him? Well, I, I know the expectations are high. Um, you know he you know I got a chance to watch him a little bit last year. Uh, you know, just kind of on, on some tapes that we, you know, maybe had of other opponents and stuff like that. 
Uh, in my personal opinion, he was the best high school football player I saw uh, last year in this area. Um, you know, and I think the thing that makes him special um, is how advanced he is as a as, as a raw receiver already. Uh, a lot of times you see a lot of guys that are athletic, a lot of guys that can make plays. Uh, he has all those things, but then he also understands how to run uh, routes, understands how to attack leverage, understands how to get in and out of breaks, uh, beat press coverage. Uh, and I think that's very rare for an 18-year-old, and I think that's why you've seen him, you know, kind of step on campus and, and automatically, you know, in some aspects, be the guy already. Um, you know, I know they had you know a little trouble kind of uh, getting him to rock this, this, this last game, but uh, you know I'm excited to see him. Man, I think he's going to bring a lot of a lot of fireworks to Columbia, Missouri. Hey, Jeremy, if you didn't see the ball as much as you expected, especially you miss your <laughs> real freshman year because of the knee injury, but if you if you aren't seeing the ball like Luther didn't on Saturday, does it bug you? How do you how do you react after games like that? I think as a competitor, it does. But man, you, you you got when you get to that level, man, you got so many different guys that are capable of of going out there and uh, you know kind of making plays and helping your team win. Uh, I think it's just as a competitor, you want hey, I want to try to help my team win. Uh, at least that was kind of that was my mindset. Um, you know, so yeah, so you get I think you get a little upset as a competitor, uh, but you don't you don't you don't let it kind of interrupt kind of what you got going on. I can I can bet you um, that they have all types of ways to try to get him the ball throughout the course of a game. I guarantee you he's heavily in the game plan. Uh, it was just one of those things, man, where it didn't work out or I know it was raining a little bit or you get down and all of a sudden your play calling changes a little bit. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think I think he's going to be just fine. And, and with a guy like Luther, we know that when he stepped on a field, coaches knew he was special. You have you mm-hmm. mentioned Dion being dynamic and special, and you guys played at the highest level. When you get a player for the first time and steps on the practice field and shows that sort of talent, is it apparent? Is does everybody on the field know that this guy is just different? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel that way too, Jeremy? You feel like yeah, it's just that obvious, man. especially in high school. I think it's 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 obvious when you have one of those guys, and and you know it, it makes your job a little bit easier. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, in high school, um, yeah, when when there's a really good football player, um, you can you can definitely tell. I think for me, I think some of the kids that that you think are going to be really really special, I think they start to show what kind of player they're going to be early on in high school by how they handle themselves, not just from a talent standpoint, but Dion's also my hardest worker. He's also a really good student. Um, he also was always trying to find ways to improve. You know what I mean? So I think those are the guys that you really look at and you're like, okay, not only is he talented, but from a mindset, and his mindset will continue to mature, but as a, from a mindset standpoint, uh, you know, he's going to do good things because he's already that type of guy. So, I, I think that I think that kind of that kind of that's the difference for me, Jeremy. I want to shift gears a little bit and go to the NFL and and your former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, had a pretty good game. Let the let the Lions back into the game, but offensively they did some some pretty spectacular things on the outside with with AJ Brown. What have you seen from from that addition and and what do you think the Eagles' uh, uh, ceiling is for this season? I think it's high. You know, I, I think that uh, you know AJ coming in, you kind of expected him to do that. Um, he's kind of a uh, what I want. He's kind of like a more athletic version of that of that old school mentality, Bolden slash mm-hmm. Heinz Ward type of receiver. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, a very reliable guy. And then I think you got the other kid 
Uh, Devontae, he didn't really get that involved, but uh, we know what he's capable of, a Heisman winner. Um, so I, I'm extremely excited about them. Um, you know, the thing that I, the one thing that I worry about them a little bit um, with is, um, and I love Fletcher. I think he's going down as one of the best D tackles ever. I think they, they need to find ways to create pressure with four. Um, if they don't, I think they, they, they could be giving up a lot of points like they did this past weekend. Uh, but I'm, that's, that's still my squad, man, them and Casey. So uh, I, I was happy to see them get a win. And I wanted to ask you about your former coach. People coming into the season after the trade of Tyreek were worried about Andy Reid. I watched enough of Andy Reid's Philadelphia teams before you got there to know that he can win without a guy like Tyreek Hill. They're, they'll find a way to make the offense work, won't they? Yeah, man. What they're able to do, um, they're so they're, they're so hands on. They're so uh, you know advanced when you talk about play calling and scheming. Uh, and you just look at the guys that that he's had with them, and and they kind of you know it's still the West Coast, but they put their own little twist on it. And and you know it started with Coach Reed and Marty Morningwig, and then you know Matt Nagy got a head coach job. Doug Peters got a head coach job. You know it just. You know, now Eric Bieniemy's up for for he's a name that gets thrown around a lot, man. Those guys are uh, when you talk about scheming and 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 game planning and putting guys in position to um, you know to be successful. I mean, they're, they're second to none. I, I think they 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 kind of took that that college mentality and brought it to the NFL kind of before the rest of the NFL has caught up. And I think they just keep finding new ways to you know to put to put guys in position. And then man. Patrick Mahomes, I love Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But he was never Tyreek made, and that's what people forget. Like, that kid is special, man. He does things that most quarterbacks can't do. All right. Uh, I got to get to this Friday night at Kirkwood. (laughs) Guys, I've always thought that a team reflected the personality of their coach. So, Jeremy, you've been watching tape all week of Hazelwood Central. Tell me about the personality of Kerry Davis's team. I think the first thing that stands out, man, they're gonna play hard, uh, and, and that's and that's what I respect. Um, you know, they're a little younger than what they were last year, uh, but those guys are flying around. You can tell they're learning on the go. Um, but he has those guys flying around, believing in themselves, um, and, and and they play hard and physical. And and as a, as an opposing coach, I respect that. Um, you know, they got some guys on defense. They got some guys in the skill position that can make some plays. So uh, it's gonna be another tough game. You know, we were we were I think we were deadlocked going into the fourth mm-hmm. quarter last year. Um, so, you know, I, I respect him as a person, but you know, I respect what he's doing over there even more, man, because, um, you know, I'm a big believer that any time the more quality men you can put in position to lead programs, man, it just makes the whole, you know, landscape of, of high school football better, and, and that's what I'm in favor of. So. All right, Kerry, the personality of the Kirkwood Pioneers. It's the discipline. Like They are they are extremely disciplined. They are going to do their job at a high level, uh, better than, than – than, and, and that's the that's the goal is to do it better than the opponent. The amount of discipline that they show on film for me is what scares me because they just – they don't seem like they're ever in the wrong place. And, and when you play a team that is talented and disciplined, you it's going to be a tough battle. Uh, and, and last night, like I said, Jeremy has done a great job um, – you know, in his few years of, of making sure that that team is ready to roll, it does not hurt when you have an elite player like like Dion. Um, but that team, as as a whole, is is very disciplined, uh, going to do their job and and do it longer than the opponent. So it's going to be a good game Friday night, Jeremy. Take it easy on us, man. We 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 no, working. Man. <laughs> I'm excited about it, man. We're excited. I'm looking forward We're to excited. it as well. Yeah. 
Should be great. Jeremy Macklin, good luck the rest of the season. Have fun, and we appreciate it. And by the way, the, you'll get word. You, you haven't gotten official word on the College Hall of Fame yet, right? It comes. I'm not. I, uh, I, I think I find out close to the end of the year, so we'll see. All right. Well, we're rooting for you. And we definitely we, are. We know sir. you deserve it. Definitely. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. All right, Jeremy. Take care. J Mac, Jeremy Macklin on 101 ESPN. That should be Friday night. A heck of a game. And, and I would have to think their games, especially because it's your friends and yeah. you have so much respect for the guy. Not that you don't respect everybody that you're going against, but there are certain games and certain coaches that you look forward to seeing, right? Yeah, we had well, we had a very very good game last year. It was it was you know it was one of those back and forth types of deals um, where I think we scored right before halftime to tie the game up, and then in the second half uh, we were able to pull away a little bit. But it was it was a it was one of those games, and and their running back got hurt in that game. He was unable to play in the second half. So I, when he's a game changer, Randy, I, mm-hmm. I've been playing, I've been coaching football. Uh, high school football for five years as a head coach. And there are only a few players, high school players, that, that I don't get much sleep before we play them the week of. And and Deion Brown is one of those guys that if you have not seen him play high school football, you need to because he runs fast, he runs downhill, he runs aggressive. And as a former running back, I love it. I, I Not against my team, but I love it watching him play football. Um, and they, they just – Jeremy has a, has a very good team, and he's you can tell they're disciplined and they're going to play hard and they're going to give you everything they got. As pro football players, you guys got to do what you got to do, right? But what did you think when Jeremy Macklin signed with the Ravens? Ah, you know, I <laughs> listen. <laughs> I'm always supporting our St. Louis guys, but when you put on that purple and black, it, you you just a little bit. I you know, I may instead of giving you a handshake and a hug, I may give you a fist pound and keep it moving. Just it's just a little bit something about the the stench of that purple that I don't want to rub off on me. Kerry <laughs> Davis, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, stick around. We've got rock and roll. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, time for Matthew Rocchio. Rock to rock, and then whatever he says will roll. So, All right. That's how we came up with rock and roll. Yeah, that's that's the Brilliant. only thing. That was the only thing. <laughs> we, just rolled, we, we just decided to, we, well, we, we rocked and rolled with it. Nobody really. ever said that before, no, so we yeah, thought we'd it was use it. Completely new to us. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to us. A little pat on the back for yeah. our, our really just great ideas, guys. Just go us. Thanks, my writer, for that. <laughs> Let's jump right into it. Um, one guy whose career just has not gone too well since his retirement, Brett Favre, in the news again, this time for some more scandals, some more money going wrong in the state of Mississippi. An investigative report by Mississippi Today, Mississippi Today has revealed that the former Mississippi governor, Phil Bryant, helped Brett Favre obtain welfare funds in order to help build a volleyball stadium at his alma mater, the University of Southern Mississippi. His daughter was also a University of uh, Southern Mississippi volleyball player at the time. It's part of a larger problem that Nancy knew who was heading up the Mississippi Community Education Center 
diverted $77 million in welfare funds from the state of Mississippi into different fraudulent, uh, bribed kind of things. And this was just one of the things. There's a report later on, if you go down, where Brett Favre also agreed to $600,000 to have speeches for the state of Mississippi that he's never paid back. He also got $1.1 million in 2017 and 2018 to promote a state poverty fighting initiative. He has since had to be been ordered by a court and state auditor to pay all of that money back and he's also part of another civil lawsuit to pay back interest on that 1.1 million dollars and apparently that 1.1 million dollars is also connected to him trying to fund a volleyball stadium at the university of southern mississippi just a complete falling apart here late in his career by brett Favre. he's not being charged criminally but this is a scumbag move and <laughs> the, the the people doing the investigation were able to get texts and one text that Favre sent to Nancy New, who was in charge of the welfare funds, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? So clearly the guy knew, Brett Favre knew, that he was doing something wrong. And this is scandalous, obviously. It's horrific what they're doing in any state. But Carrie, this is the poorest and least educated state in the country. If any group of people needs federal funds, yeah. it's the poor in Mississippi. And this multimillionaire is taking their money so that he can help build a volleyball stadium for the school where his daughter is attending. Well, you, you speak of least educated, and and I think Brett Favre would be in that group because how how how. How dumb do you have to be to send the text message? Yeah. <laughs> Man, have you you've not watched any movies, Goodfellas, any casino, anything that that tells you to stay off of the phone? <laughs> you have those conversations in person. Not that I'm telling you no. to commit fraudulent activities, but if you are Brett Favre and you're going to do that, which clearly he wanted to do it and did do it, you don't send a text message saying, is there any way the media can find... Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, there is. We yeah, just did. Yeah. We, we found out. There you go, Brett. No, there, there are <laughs> stupid things on ESPN TV. Like, oh, how will this Game 7 affect LeBron's legacy? Well, LeBron's legacy is cemented. How will this Super Bowl affect Tom Brady's legacy? Not gonna. Not yeah. gonna. This is the sort of thing that affects legacy. Yes, it is. It, it, it Because it's something that... You have complete control over it. It's a decision, a poor decision that he made, and that it was the intent behind it was ill-willed. It wasn't like yeah. a mistake was made, and he didn't know that this money, where it was coming from, who it was coming from, who it was impacting had it not gone to them. He knew full well what he was doing, why he was doing it, and who would be directly impacted by this decision. And he said, you know what, go ahead and go through with it anyway. And and that, to me, it, it, I think, I don't know if you said it was scumbag. It's yeah. just really ridiculous. Ridiculous to have the finances and the financial, you know, the financial wherewithal, wherewithal that you've had in your life, yep. and, and to do this to someone else that does not have, you know, it speaks, it speaks really lowly of you as a person and as a human being to to do that. Yeah, Brett, Brett Favre, bad look. Yeah, actually, Nancy New broke off seventy-seven million dollars that the nonprofit leaders misspent. Five million of it was going to this stadium for Favre. It's one thing when you're kind of a personal bad person with you know the way he sexually harassed uh, that reporters was, yes. and things like that. But now you take it to a completely different level of, of just hurting and harming thousands of people in one one stroke of just you know your your selfish you know 
you know, ego. It's just it's ridiculous. This is that's what I want to say. This is not the first time he's had issues with text messages, right? He had, right, yeah. He had some messages come up some years ago as well, as far as what Rocchio said. And and so you you would think you would learn something. That that just be a just be a decent human being. You don't have to be great. Just be decent and treat people fairly. So I never saw that those photos were made public. I never saw, but I heard that not only were he, was he sending scurrilous pictures to females of his nether regions, but he was wearing Crocs, <laughs> which probably should affect the legacy in and of itself. Yeah. He, he used to be my favorite player. Not a Croc fan. <laughs> Throwing all my Brett Favre memorabilia just in the trash. Oh, my goodness. Let's stay with the NFL and some quarterbacks. Some, let's talk about some guys who struggling on the field, but not nearly struggling off the field the way that Brett Favre is, and that is Justin Fields and Trey Lance. We saw them all in one game. Listen, not exactly the ideal conditions to see a quarterback battle in the NFL, but nonetheless... One quarterback guru and offensive mind, Mike Martz, is not very happy with what he saw from either quarterbacks. He joined the 33rd team to talk about these two quarterbacks. This was his thoughts, first off, on Justin Fields. I'm just shocked, shocked at the Bears. I mean, they took this quarterback. They went up and spent a lot to get him, and he was less than remarkable would be the kindest thing that you could say about him. I don't know if I've ever seen such a bad performance by a quarterback in his opening performance of the season. Like, he was just completely awful. He really deflated the football team with his performance. And if you're thinking, man, Mike, that's that's kind of harsh for a quarterback. Hold on a moment. Here's Mike's thoughts yeah, on San Francisco <laughs> 49ers quarterback Trey Lance. I want, their, I want their eyeballs, yeah. I've never seen anything about this kid that was it, it, encouraging at all. He really has to plan himself to make a good throw. Uh, he's not a quick decision guy. Everybody's shot in the rear about him being a a mobile guy making plays with his feet. He looked like a fullback stumbling around trying to run the ball to me. He missed two guys completely by themselves. Uh, I know it was in the rain, but your quarterbacks do that. You, you make those throws. First of all, Mike, no no need for the uh, uncalled for shot on fullbacks. We don't take <laughs> we don't take fullback no, slander. No, As the no spokesman for fullbacks of America, we will not have any fullback slander on this show. Okay, Mr. Martz, Coach Martz, we, we we will have a discussion at some point about the fullback slander. But other than the slander, your thoughts on Mike Marks breaking down is one way to say it for these breaking two young quarterbacks. down literally breaking them down, just just breaking not breaking down the film, breaking them down. As who they are as quarterbacks, and in his opinion, not great quarterbacks, not even good quarterbacks. I think that the rain had something to do with with the performances. I hope that they did. I hope next this weekend you'll get a better view of of who they are. Uh, Justin Fields can 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 you throw the ball to Cole Komet because he's on a couple of my teams. That's just me personally. <laughs> um, but just getting them getting getting them the ball to their get the ball to their to their guys. Trey Lance got Debo Samuel. He got to find a way to get him the ball. You, you, George Kittle was out last week. Hopefully he comes back healthy and is able to roll. Um, but just finding a way to get those guys the ball. And we talked about it yesterday, Randy. If, if Trey Lance doesn't figure something out here in the next four to five weeks, there is a quarterback that knows exactly how to run this offense and has done it at a, at a very at very high level. Uh, maybe not all the way to their liking, but can get you to the NFC Championship game and, and to the Super Bowl because he's done it before. Yeah, and I would say that both were less than remarkable. And I do trust and have faith in Mike Martz's ability to evaluate a quarterback. Now, I don't know if they're both going to 
suck forever. But I, I, I certainly have. <laughs> they definitely did yeah, last week. Yeah, though. <laughs> his his eye test is better than my eye test. I'll say that. And he said, "I want their eyes because I don't know what they saw." <laughs> <laughs> and let's take a, a little coaching issue from Week One. We saw it on Monday night: the Seahawks and the Broncos. You know, Russell Wilson, he loved the call. He was sticking with it. He loves everything. He agrees with everything. Why wouldn't he like the call? Well, yesterday Nathaniel Hackett came out in his Monday presser for the <laughs> Denver Broncos, and well, he had some thoughts on his decision to kick that field goal. Yeah, you know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, just not, not, you know, one of those things. You look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, but in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. Uh, we were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards, to be able to, you know, getting that there would have definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards. But um, he dumps it out to Javante. Javante makes a move, goes a lot farther than I think we had anticipated. We were expecting to go for it on fourth down. And then you hit the mark. You know, the mark that we had all set before we started, we said uh, 46 yards, uh, 46 yard line was where we wanted to be. And uh, we got there. So we had to make the decision if we wanted to give it to, uh, you know, Brandon. And we did. And it didn't work. It sucks. But hey, that's part of it. Nathaniel, scrap the plan. Teams right now since 1960 are 2 of 42 in field goals of 64 yards or longer. 2 of 42, that's a 4.8 success rate. Last year alone, teams in 4th and specifically 5, 4th and 5, were 22 of 45 last year. That's 49%. You scrap the plan and go with the numbers, Nathaniel. I, I don't think he had a plan. Uh, he said, yeah, you know, looking back on it after he missed the field goal. No, 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 sir. Before he took the field goal, you should have thought through that. Your plan is should never be to kick a 64-yard field goal. Never, ever. Ever. Why? Why would you? Why would you do that? You, To me, what I saw on third down was a running back pick up enough yards, which when I see that, he didn't get out of bounds, which I would have loved for him to do. But when I saw him get the seven, eight yards, I was like, okay, 10 yards. I said, okay, good job. Mm -hmm. Good job picking up enough yards because we're going to go for it on fourth down. You, You tell your quarterback and you tell your team that in the huddle, hey, just get enough yards because you don't have to pick it all up on 4th and 15. I don't need you to get 15 yards. Give me 8, give me 10, and that way I can have a manageable 4th down so we can go for it. His manageable 4th down was I'm going to kick a 64-yard yeah. yeah. field goal. And looking back on it in hindsight, yeah, probably not the greatest decision. It was, a, it was a poor decision when you made it then. And here's the thing. When an entire TV crew, and this is producer, director, camera people, they put Joe and Troy on camera because they knew what the right <laughs> they move didn't was. Think he was gonna kick it? <laughs> no. They came back and said, "Whoa, the field goal team is out here. What are, where are we? What is going on?" They were so confused. They're like, "Oh, we got, got a fourth down coming up. Russell's done it. Uh, wait, he's kicking it? <laughs> right? <What>? So <laughs> clearly, everybody in the stadium knew. Oh, oh man, that's a shame." That's crazy. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, it is Wednesday, and that means it's time for Wednesdays with Wayno, the Cardinal right-hander who pitches today. We recorded with him yesterday, and we'll hear that interview next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on this Wednesday, another world champion, Adam Wainwright. Good morning, sir. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me on. We always love having you on, and we're going to get to tonight, and we're going to talk about 325 in a moment, but we need to talk about fantasy football with Big League Impact first because you and I are both people that, and I think we're, I I hate to compare myself to Bill Belichick, but I kind of like to set the stage and get my team prepared. I I don't want to use it all up in week one. Well, apparently that was what I was thinking, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, I just um, you can you can prepare for it as much as you want and and uh, do all the research that you can and whatever. But until they get out on the field, it's hard to know how players are going to be used, how coaches are going to move guys around. Who's you know, unfortunately, people always get hurt, and so it's uh, just you know, it's a total crapshoot every week. All you can do is prepare and try your best. You know, we put great lineups out there; uh, it just didn't work out. Hey, how did you do in the Cardinal in the, in the clubhouse league this week? About the same, Randy. You can't. You know, it's bad week. To, it's bad luck to win week one. <laughs> it is. Yeah, bad luck. <laughs> that, that makes me feel think. better. <laughs> but uh, quarterback um, in most years since Peyton Manning retired, because Peyton was always my quarterback. My quarterback in most years is Aaron Rodgers, and uh, Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years has been a a, a one week. Like, I don't know if it's because of, you know, people are rusty because it seems like a lot of the starters don't play a whole lot in the preseason or what. But last season, Aaron Rodgers scored point, five points for me last in the in week one. And then he scored like 30 every week after that. So uh, this year this year he scored two points for me in the week one. So I'm expecting 32 points for him this coming week. And, and uh, even though he doesn't have um, Adams over there catching balls for him, I really feel like that guy can make me and you NFL receivers <laughs> so talented. So, uh, yeah, I, I have all of my trust in him still, even though he doesn't have his, his lead dog out there. Now, Adam, we are in a fantasy football league here at 101 ESPN, and Brandon Kylie is our commissioner. And I, I, I'm sure you've been playing fantasy for a long time. We had our draft last week. What would you make of 30-second rounds per draft pick? How, how would you feel about that? Because that's what our commissioner decided to do in our fantasy league last week. Yeah, 30 seconds between <laughs> picks. All right, two, two major thoughts on this. One – the draft is the best day of the year, besides my wife's birthday and Christmas. The fantasy football draft is my one of my favorite days of the year. It literally, I love the draft. I love the work that goes into it, but I love sitting around talking trash, especially in live drafts. <laughs> uh, that is the most, why would you want to rush through that? Two, uh, 30 seconds is barely time enough to scroll through <laughs> and figure out who's available. I mean, that's just, uh, that's a... That's a rookie commish um, not understanding the flow and the importance of the draft and how important it is and how you should enjoy that. I mean, gosh, you know, when you play golf, you know, it, it takes three, four hours to play golf around the golf when you're playing with your buddies. But if you just sprinted through and got on, you know, carts and hit a shot and then scrolled up and you whiffed, you just kept going, you didn't cut out, and like it, you wouldn't be as enjoyable. You need that smack talk. You need that. You need to be able to go, all right, come on, let's go. I mean, we got dinner. You need to talk trash like that. You need that. You need to hear that when you make a pick, somebody from across the room going, oh, that was a re. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I'm, I, I wanted to get a, 
a sleeper. Wandale Robinson was a big sleeper. And we're in late the eighth or ninth round, and I had to scroll down, and I literally got him with less than a second <laughs> on the clock because of the 30-second clock. And I'm sure that Wandale Robinson is a guy that went to a lot of teams, but I almost didn't get him because of that. Yeah, it's just, come on, clean it up, Kamish. Clean it up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, on a good football note, by the way, Adam, your Georgia Bulldogs, defending national champs, we need to mention that. Uh, they've outscored their opponents, Oregon and Samford, 82-3 to and moved to number one in the country. Well, I think everybody thought because they they had so many players drafted in the NFL and the defense was just seemingly, you know, shot after all those incredible players were gone. Um, I, I think everybody thought that it was going to be a team that was kind of in limbo, kind of searching and trying to try out new players or whatever. I don't think anybody expected, even Georgia, even Georgia fans, I don't think we expected the talent level that replaced those incredible players. But, you know, they're getting those Nick Saban-type recruiting classes now. I mean, Georgia's and Kirby Smart, they've done such a good job now of improving those facilities, going into to those families' houses and saying, you want to get your guy in the NFL? You know, have him come to Georgia. You want to see the, the, the best workout facility, the best eating plans? You know, we're going to get him to, to, to school every day. You want to you want to see a great system sitting in the Georgia. That it seems like they are are doing some incredible things on the recruiting level to be able to replace guys like that and just have these five stars come in here and replace them right after you know as soon as they're they, they're next man up. Meanwhile, I know you've been asked a lot about start number three twenty five for you and Yadier Molina, and Adam. I, here's my perspective. We had our first baseball game, first Major League Baseball game played in 1776. So we've had 150 years, roughly, of baseball. 1771, I'm sorry. 1771. 1871. 1871. There we go. Now I got it. Not not good at math. We were just trying to, to, to free ourselves from the tyranny of the English. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So here we played 150 years of Major League Baseball, and you are going to do something in your start with Yachty against the Brewers that no two players have ever done before in 150 years. And that's the perspective that I put it in. And as you've said, nobody has is ever going to do it again. So I want to get, have you give us your perspective of this? Well, it does sound better when you put 250 years behind it. With <laughs> <laughs> it no, I think anytime you can have a major league record um, with the amount of incredible players that have been played that have been playing this game for so long, uh, that's a that's a great accomplishment. Um, the fact that I get to share a major league record, hopefully with Yadier Molina. Uh, just by ourselves, in a in a in a time and age where this will never. I mean, look, it took 150 years to to get to this point, but this will never be broken again. I mean, it, it just let's just be honest. This it's just never going to be broken again. You got. I think the closest one to us right now is is Kyle Hendricks and uh, Wilson Contreras that are active players, and they're 200 and something behind. You know, mm-hmm. um, in a, in a in a game where free agency takes guys left and right and the business of baseball from a from an owner standpoint takes players left and right and um it, it's just a it's an accomplishment that we're very we're both very proud of uh uniquely individually for being able to play a long time from our own selves but 
But more than that, to play with Yachty and have him be my catch partner for that long, I, I really feel like, and I, I said this years ago, one of the things that I will look back and tell my kids I'm the most proud of and the most excited about was that I got to play catch with Yachty every fifth, every fifth day. I mean, he's just that special of a player. Um, so I, I think being able to share that with him in an incredible city in one city, St. Louis, for this long is something that we could have never dreamed of, uh, but we are sure thankful for. Adam, you all look like you are having so much fun in that dugout. Uh, every at bat, you you see the guys doing a, a pepper grinder uh, when, when there's a big hit or they're grinding out at bats. I, I also heard that maybe some of them found a pepper grinder at a restaurant and was able to bring it back with you. What what does that mean when you are having that much fun uh, and, and watching those young guys and and the older guys just kind of coincide and having a good time like that? Yeah, one of the coaches uh, was at dinner the other night, and I, I think he he bought a pepper grinder from the restaurant. The guy came over to put pepper on his salad or something. And he said, Hey, how much for that pepper? grinder?" And he, bought, he bought it on the spot from the restaurant and had the waiter sign it. So the, the, the pepper grinder that, that Lars and those guys are using right now are, uh, it's signed by the waiter that sold them the, the pepper grinder. Now, the funny thing is, uh, we were, I said, man, Lars, you love that, right? Like you, you came up with this and you love it. And in the background, I hear this. He didn't come up with it. I came up with it. <laughs> I look over and it's Kisner. And he's going, everybody's all the trash. I pepper grinder. So, so we just got to throw a little shout out to, to, to Andrew Kisner. Hey, congratulations, buddy. You did it. You know? <laughs> that, that's important to get credit for, for being, for creating things and being the creator. So yes, he needs that. Mm-hmm. Apparently he does. <laughs> Adam, it's so cool from a, the perspective of an observer to see young, energetic players. And you were one of those guys in 06, you and Brad Thompson and, and Kenny and Tyler Johnson and, and, and the young bullpen brought so much energy to that group. Now you're seeing it from the other side as one of the older players. What have those guys done for you personally? So you're talking about these young guys? Yeah, just the energy that they bring to Adam Wainwright. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they just keep it loose, right? They just keep it fun. They, they, uh, when you know the 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 unfortunate thing that happens as you get older in the game is sometimes you get accustomed to things, you know, and uh, just that's the way the big leagues are played, and 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 things aren't can things cannot sometimes be as uh, exciting to you as they once were, and probably still should be. So, I think it, in a way, you know when a guy walks into a hotel first time and his eyes light up and go, oh my goodness, you know, I'm in the big leagues and, and uh, see a big league spread and go, man, that's awesome. And, you know, the planes we get to fly on and these big stadiums that we get to play in and for all these great crowds, you know, seeing their enjoyment and their excitement level and, and, uh, and all that for the game of baseball and for this incredible job that we get, I think that just keeps it fresh for us too. You know I mean? Last thing you want to be is an old dry, crust, crusty player in there that's been there forever and is you know bitter about everything. You know it's good to take in those moments too, and those guys help keep it loose like that. Adam, earlier we were talking to uh, Stan McNeil, and he was talking about Jordan Montgomery growing a little bit of a, a beard now that he's with the Cardinals and no longer with the Yankees. Uh, is there any playoff beard in your future, and and can we expect to see that at, at any time? Oh, absolutely, yeah. As soon as the playoffs start, the the playoff beard starts. You know. I, I don't cut it once the playoffs start. I don't cut it at all until we're done. 
Um, and so I'm hoping that thing gets wretched. You know, I want that thing. <laughs> I want it looking like King Leonidas or Willie Robertson or somebody. There you know, go. So that that's the idea of it, man. It's just, you know, guys were growing out a couple of years ago. I remember guys were like, "Oh, I'm gonna start my playoff beard right now." And like it was like August something. I'm like, "Uh-uh." <laughs> growing the August beard right now. Then don't call it a playoff beard until the playoffs start. Don't get don't put the cart before the horse. You know, we once we get there, then we start it, and hopefully we turn it into a wretched creature on our face. That'd be great. <laughs> By the way, Adam, on your photo, which has somewhat of a beard and mustache at BigLeagueImpact.org, but your photo has you holding a bat. How much Im- impact do you make on the Big League Impact website where your photo has you holding a bat? It's not pitching. It's not holding a glove. It's you holding a bat. Did you force that upon your organization well let me look at i'm gonna pull that up right now let me pull this up let me look this thing real quick okay i i I like the idea of it already um i'll tell you i miss uh i miss hitting bad i really do i feel like you know i've dropped a couple of balls this year that i would have caught normally because my reflexes were better um i've i've you know tripped and fell one time where I'm like, I know I wouldn't have tripped and fell last year when I was hitting. Like, <laughs> I feel like more of an athlete um, when I'm when I'm being a full athlete, when I'm out there hitting and and at least attempting to hit. But, uh, but you know, being honest, it became harder to see the, the spin as I got older. But, you know, missing that year and COVID hurt me in that way. We're, okay, no, so now I see how you're – yeah, I do like that picture. That is a good picture. <laughs> Um, but you know, that, that was always a, a thing that I, I felt like hitting, uh, we may have talked about this before, Randy, but I felt like hitting provided an edge for me over the other team because I, I felt like I was going to be a better hitter than their nine hole was. And so if that's the case, then you got, you got nine spots, you got to continue with instead of eight, even if, even if it's just getting bunts down or if it's, you know, getting a, getting a guy over, but every now and then, you know, I was good for a couple extra base hits. Um, so I felt I felt like the guy wasn't going to hit an extra base hit off me, but I sure might hit one off him. So it, it provided an edge for me, at least mentally. One of my all-time favorite moments was your pinch double in Pittsburgh. That's two of us. <laughs> <laughs> two, and it, uh, you know that funny thing. I ended up playing with him. He, he came over. He was the he, he pitched in the late innings with us that the following year. Um, and I said, dude, why did you keep throwing me fastballs? All you had to do was throw me that slider away. So, oh, well, my ball's cutting, and I felt like I could get it by you down the way. And, but you know what I loved? As soon as I came up to bat, Andrew McCutcheon told me later, he said, as soon as I saw you walk up to bat, I knew it wasn't going to be good for us. <laughs> and, you know, that gives me a lot of confidence. That, that, that pumped me up a lot. It's Wednesdays with Wayno. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. Okay, i got a couple of uh, important questions. I don't think we've asked this. How do you like the Ma- Mike Maddox claw? <laughs> You haven't asked that. Uh, it depends on how the game's going, honestly. You know, if I'm out there and I'm I'm uh, I'm rolling and he's just kind of trying to give me a, a puff of air real quick, then then I want him to come out there and get out of there as fast as possible. Like, I appreciate the effort or whatever, but go on ahead and get, you know. Um, if, uh, if, if, if I'm struggling a little bit, I, I understand that uh, – that you know he he just wants me to know he cares and he's just trying to take a read or pulse of the situation or whatever. But he doesn't always give me the claw. Um, you know I I, I kind of 
I'm I'm always engaged with Yachty. When he comes out there, I'm I'm trying to figure out what we're going to throw next. What's our next pitch? What's what's the plan for this next hitter? And uh, it's rare that I even look over at the pitching coach. You know, I might give him a glance or two, but I'm I'm trying to get back on 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 mission. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't really have any big big theories on the claw or whatever. But it's that's a thing that he's done, and so you know he's been around for a long time. You have to respect it. I have to believe there are some guys, just because of their nature, that don't like it. I, I think I would like it. I think I, I would like the physical contact of the guy. And lo- you know, that's how he's going to look in my eyes. But I, I like go back to Bob Gibson. You know, you knew Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson would have hated the claw. Yeah, he might have. Uh, but I got a feeling that he wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have given Bob Gibson the claw. <laughs> <laughs> I got that same feeling, no doubt. Hey, one other one. Pitchcom has become probably, a big. Go ahead. Probably what walked out there. You know, he probably would have just. Bob would have looked over and been like, I got this. You know, so he would have probably stayed over there. Yeah, did you ever hear Gibby told Tim McCarver when McCarver came out to the mound, he said, you get back behind the plate. The only thing you know about pitching is that you can't hit it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of stories about that from Gibson, but he was a legend, man. Yeah, he was fantastic. The other thing the Cardinals have taken to, and you've taken to, Pitchcom. Have you thought about, and we were talking earlier about the playoffs, it's loud in ballparks in the playoffs. How will that affect Pitchcom? Oh, it's going to affect it in a big way. In a big way. Um, it's, it's happened a couple of times where it gets so loud that you cannot hear it. You know, even if you put your your glove over your ear, it helps it. But uh, I don't. I don't know how that's going to work. I think they said they're going to put a. They're going to make it available to put something in the pitcher's ear. Um, I'm hoping we get a chance to try that out before we get into these. You know, the biggest games of the year, and all of a sudden we got something in our ear. You know, for the first time. So, um, and you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much it'll make a difference, but I know inner ear stuff is where your balance comes from. So, I mean, you know, I hope we try it out first. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but it is an unknown, and and it when it gets loud, makes it very 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 tough to hear the the uh, the word from Pitchcom. So I don't know how it's going to work. Maybe they'll turn it up, but I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Hey Adam, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, last week. MLB made some some changes and some rules. Uh, the shift being banned and and the pitch clock. What are your thoughts about that? And do you feel like that is leaning more towards being helpful towards the offense than it is towards pitchers? Uh, I mean, I just think it depends. Depends on the hitter. Depends on the pitcher. Um, every, everybody is not the exact same. You know, I think some hitters get affected way more by the, the shift, obviously. There's some of those big lefties that that just don't hit the ball on the ground to the left side. That's going to help them more not having the shift. But I'll tell you this. From a pitching standpoint, uh, and, I, and, I, and I don't think the numbers from a pitching standpoint, I don't think it's a dramatic help i think you know one year i looked at it i think they said it was it was 1000 i mean i don't quote me on this number but it was like 1200 hits uh taken away from the shift and like you know 1000 hits given so it's like a difference of 200 hits which wasn't i mean that's not nothing that's significant but when you're talking about over the course of a season um you know it's not a it's with all the teams it's not a dramatic deal but I will say this. Here's what I can speak to that I know of, because I don't know all those numbers by heart, and so I, you know I'm a little off base with that. What I just said there, but what I do know is this: as a pitcher, 
when you're pitching and you throw a pitch right down the middle and it gets hit past your face for a hundred mile an hour, 105 mile an hour line drive, you expect that to be a hit, right? That's, that's expected to be a hit. You turn around, somebody's there, catches it. Oh man, that's great, right? That's great. But here's where the one that sticks with you. When I make my pitch down and away, down and in, whatever it is, and I get a 72 mile an hour doink ground ball to where somebody's been for 150 years and there's no one there. And then instead of an out that ends the inning, now I got second and third, no outs or, or two outs still with the best hitter in the, on the team up, or, or maybe it scores a run or even two. Sometimes you walk off of that field completely defeated. Sometimes knowing that you made your pitch, you did everything you could do, but because the shift was in place, you gave up a hit and it extended the inning I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen always, and our coaches do a great job of preparing, and, and they're just competing too. And they give us a great chance to go out there and, and compete to the best of ability. But those are the ones that stick with you as a pitcher. Those are the ones that you're laying in bed at night, and they just those are painful. You know what I mean? Those are just painful. Last thing for Adam Wainwright, start number 325 with Yadier Molina coming up against Milwaukee. I know that you, because I know you, will want Yachty to have the ball, and I know that Yachty will want you to have that first ball from the pitch. So what do you think will happen with the ball from the first pitch from the game against Milwaukee for 325? Well, I don't know. Um, do you have a, a, any stuff in your house anyway? Is it, is oh, it yeah. a big deal to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I collect all that stuff. Um, but Yachty's got the game. He's got the World Series winning ball from us mm. <laughs> I got the game seven ball, uh, which is really the moment that I'm most known about, known for anyways, uh, is the, the Beltran moment. I've got that ball. That's pretty important. Um, I do know that we plan on throwing out quite a few balls during the, during the game um, for just for teammates and, and for, for the two of us to have so we can give them away. I, mean, I think they're going to be throw. I'm going to be changing jerseys left and right. You know, I think they're changing my jersey four or five times. Um, so we're we're going to be. It's going to be a big spectacle. That I'm going to do my best to, to compete throughout all that. I think if you give Yachty the ball from this game, and then you get the World Series winner from your complete game as you win the World <laughs> Series, I think we're in good shape. Yeah, I was going to say the opposite. I mean, you know, as a world, you know, he can. A lot of people win a World Series, but only a couple of people ever. <laughs> him are going to have this record. So I think I might want this. There you go. <laughs> Great call. Hey, we love you. Congratulations on this, and uh, can't wait to to see the game against Milwaukee, and then head down the stretch, make the playoffs, and then uh, get to that World Series and win it. But we're we're putting the car to horse the ahead uh, of the horse here. Let's get tonight. Let's win tonight, and then we'll work on all that other stuff. If anybody's listening and they want to get involved with what we're doing at Big League Impact, please go to uh, bigleagueimpact.org. we got all-win campaigns where Tommy Edmonds supporting education and Miles Michaels supporting human tra- uh, the, the, the defeat of, of human trafficking. Paul um, Goldschmidt's helping build a house with Habitat for Humanity. Matt, Stephen Matt's supporting uh, rehab services for men with, with just – for men with just terrible past and Helsley is uh, supporting education Ver Higgins supporting meals on wheels and new bar supporting baseball programs for special need kids. So, um, and I also want to say thank you to uh one one ESPN for always helping us support our, our, our missions and to spectrum and to Valley sports Midwest also.
All right. You're the best, Wayno. Thank you very much. And once again, it's bigleagueimpact.org. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. That's our friend Adam Wainwright. And if you have the chance today, like if you get hungry on this Wednesday or thirsty, head on over to Chick-fil-A for a Sunjoy. It's their version of an Arnold Palmer. And proceeds from Sunjoys on Wednesdays with Wayno go to Big League Impact. So you can support Adam, you can support his foundation, and you can enjoy a delicious Sunjoy from Chick-fil-A. While you're there, pick up one of those number ones. Get a number one at Chick-fil-A, the... uh, the, the regular chicken sandwich and the waffle fries, mm-mm-mm, delicious. I'm more of a number two kind of guy. I, I was a number one guy. I've been going with the chicken strips, but I do enjoy the Sun Joy. It, it, it is delightful. Here's the thing about the chicken strips. Do they have the little like? Do they have the little like tang of honey that, that the patty has? Because the pickle and the sauce and all <laughs> yeah, works too yeah, perfectly. Yeah. Chick- perfect. Chick- it's down to it's down Chick- to a, a science. Chick fil A sauce is really good. It is. Uh, when Chick- they started you, you, selling that. Like in full bottles, mm-hmm. I was done. It was done. <laughs> Randy, Randy, do you have that? Do you have a number for mentality and swim one eighty still? Because I, I, I bought that Chick Fil A sauce in a whole bottle. And <laughs> we, can make, we can make that happen. I'm, I'm gone now. Yeah, we can make that. Happen. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Chick Fil A was just sold at the mall, oh, and yeah, right. it was I not it, yeah. uh, actual standalone building. You had to go to the mall <laughs> to get Chick Fil A. So uh, I am thankful that. Well, yeah, I guess it's a good and bad thing. Drive through, yeah. <laughs> We're going to head down the stretch here of this edition of The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carrie Davis, Randy Carker headed down the stretch. And there are very few times in life, Carrie where you know you're going to see something that is never going to happen again in your lifetime. And tonight is one of those. You tune in for the first pitch of the Cardinal game in our lifetime. We will never see another pitcher and catcher get together for a 325th start. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that we talked about it all week, just the longevity of their careers, the ability to stay healthy for the most part, and to stay with the same organization. Now, those those three things are are, are hard to do, just to do one for that long, uh, for one person, but for two people to do all of those things uh, at the same time has been pretty amazing. And, And it's, you know, kudos to those. Those two for 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 being that good for that long and and being able to surpass this record that as you said will will more than likely never be broken again. And Tim Kirkton gave us a list of things we'll never see yeah. again earlier in the show. If you missed anything, all you need to do is go to 101ESPN.com or the 101 ESPN app. You can listen to our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tired Auto Center. Heck, I'm I'm sure that people thought they'd never see another. NFL player get five Super Bowls like Charles Haley did, and then yeah. Brady winds up with seven. And and there are things like fifty seven hundred strikeouts for Nolan Ryan. There are things that will never happen again, but uh, th- this is one of them. And yeah. so we need to savor this and enjoy this tonight. Appreciate the moment. Appreciate what they what they do. But if I but always looking for the win. I think those two competitors uh, obviously they want to get the start. They want to get the record, but they want to get the win more than anything because they understand each each game is important and how valuable it is. So. Hopefully they they end the outcome with a win. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. CD. Go Hawks. There we go. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to stop by Kerry's practice for a while today and uh, and watch those Hawks uh, practicing. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... 
with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.